Then you can be somebody. Right. Now you're nobody. Here's a little explanation of what we have here. This is a couple sessions of a fairy tale folklore game stuck together. There's the complication that we used one system for the first part and another system for the second part. The first session was played using old school essentials. We enjoyed that first session and wanted to return to the story, but I argued that the system didn't feel right for the story setting. Will agreed enough that he tinkered up a system pulling elements from Maze Rats and Pendragon, and we use that system in the second part. So enjoy Will jamming Tad as Senna the magic user slash witch, and myself as Leon the thief in this little fairy tale. So concept-wise, uh, we're dealing with like a central-ish European-style kind of fairy tale-ish setting. It's not your typical D&D thing with the conventional D&D monsters and such. Uh, it's rather more like you have your ordered, structured, stratified human society, and then the farther out into the wild you get, the weirder and fey, more fey things get. But sometimes, you know, stuff sneaks into the towns, into cellar vaults and so forth. You know, there are hidden cabals of sorcerers and uh, operating in, in a nobleman's garden labyrinth or something like that. What else? Yeah, I, I dumped a bunch of the languages, and since conventional D&D monsters don't exist, there's no point in taking, like, goblin or dragon or something like that. So there, are, I have some, you know, language stuff at the bottom of the, the realm, second realm paragraph, in case you roll a high intelligence, and you, you may want to know what, what languages you can t talk, speak. Right, so human-centric, uh, but multi-ethnic, anything from what you might imagine to be kind of S Spanish, French, to German, Polish, is perfectly fine. Maybe a smattering of Italian somewhere in there. I'll admit to vacillating between thief and magic user. Flip a coin and I'll play the other one. Okay, the coin says magic user. So one mag magic user, one thief. And we should we should roll we should roll your spell, right? Oh, the spells need to be rolled. Oh yeah, this is old school essentials. <laughs> you might get read languages. Okay, in alphabetical order. Number two, oh. which puts it detect magic. Yeah, For two turns, which is what, 20 minutes, 60-foot range. Enchanted objects, areas where creatures are caused to glow. Interesting, which means you could turn any magic object into a nightlight. At least for myself. Well, I don't see it saying it only glows for... for... No, no, I think they all glow. Yeah, that's what it says right there. <laughs> so it becomes like Sting, right? <laughs> So, who who do we have? We have Leon the the thief, and we have uh, what is that name, Tad? Senna Senna. Okay, magic user. Is Senna Senna like a um, aristocrat, or uh, probably not, unless she's like no. low 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 nobility? I'm largely thinking of myself as, if we were to take an analogy out of Europe, um, a Gaulish or Celtic person. So I'm kind of from the frontiers or, you know, kind of an outlander to the central... Holy Roman French uh, uh, minority. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So old, old witch, witchy traditions is uh, stuff that you, you know. Right. Okay. Oh, therefore traveling, therefore exploring. Cool. And Leon, 
city-born rascal, or classic street urchin off to uh, make his fortune. Oh, what's Matthew Broderick's character's name again in Lady Hawk? Doesn't matter. That type. <laughs> sure. Philippe. That's his name. Uglier and dirtier. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Not nearly as charming in his oafishness. Yeah. Cool. So um, you have been traveling for uh, a little bit. Uh, you have an acquaintance. Uh, you, you've known each other for a bit. And in your whatever earlier, maybe late teens situation, you befriended a, um, an Eastern merchant, uh, an Eastern merchant's son uh, who was uh, traveling abroad, learning, learning his trade. Uh, he has sent uh, a missive, kind of vague missive, uh, hoping uh, particularly for Senna's uh, aid with a personal problem. He lives in the eastern part of the realm in a uh, city totally uh, legally and otherwise distinct from the actual German town of Worms uh, called Worms. It's a ways off. So you're traveling in a, from, from your little corner of the realm kind of uh, in, a, in a northeasterly direction. Uh, and you've struck up company with like a pair of sellswords, uh, let's call them Nenker and Goswin, who are, uh, they're big lads, and uh, they're hoping to, to find um, employment in the wealthier parts of up in the northeast. The, let's say your little areas have been um, either quiet or, or they've been impoverished by uh, local petty conflicts between nobles. So you've been on, on the road for a week, perhaps? When you're crossing over into what what would constitute the eastern part of the realm, which is quite expansive, uh, the temperature has suddenly dropped sharply in a way that's kind of unnatural. And uh, both Nenker and Goswin are are uh, the shoulders are up and their their cloaks are held close, and um, you can even see like little flakes of snow in the air, even though it's technically late summer, which is a little odd. The surrounding uh, countryside that you're traveling through, although while it has been fairly agrarian and idyllic uh, up to this point, it's becoming a little more wild. There are more deeper, thicker woodlands about. You know, in the far distance, there are these snow-capped mountains and hills. Uh, un unusually early for for uh, for winter. Doesn't seem right. Nope. It's a strange country, but say everybody, be alert. If something does accost us. Be ready to be diplomatic-like. Wouldn't want to make things worse for ourselves. Uh, accost us. Goswin is uh, like he's rubbing his little stubbly chin. He has this like receding chin. It's barely there. Oh, well, surely we can take care of any trouble. I mean, we're, we're man after all. Well, that's as may be. But uh, hopefully the weather's just playing up and everything will be all right. Hope so, says uh, Nenker. He's he's kind of a tall, reedy, reedy guy. He's the opposite of uh, Goswin. He has this lantern jaw. Goswin is like a short, squat, no chin, no jaw. Nanker is the opposite, tall, thin. Um, well, um, you can see the path you're on, the road you're on, uh, is leading kind of into the the nearby kind of thick woods. You're you're simply going to have to um, keep going. This is the direction to to your to reach your friend. And this is these are like way in the boonies, country roads, unpaved. They're like uh, um, remnants of uh, 
stone walls for herding sheep along the road, right? The, the, nobody has maintained for probably 20 years. So they're half rubbled. It's almost like this area of the country has been either abandoned or the tenants have been evicted or some such. So. It's been a long while since we encountered a checkpoint or anything, and the canopy has probably grown together. It's dark along the road, or we get some sunlight in there. You do get some sunlight. But okay. um, so but don't it, have to break out the lantern yet. But no, 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 no. It's not. You're not walking into the the dungeon woods. <laughs> Worry about that. But the the weather quickly gets overcast, and and throughout the afternoon when you're traveling, the it just gets colder until it starts snowing properly. Well, we can forget what I said earlier, because if anybody had a hand in this, they'd be much bigger deal than any of us. I can tell you that. Oh, were you trying to say this was some sort of witch's spell? It's sometimes hard not to to think that way, that there might be fairies at work. Forgive the blasphemy for considering the poss- possibility. Nenker crosses himself. Or perhaps we should make a camp. Uh, I don't relish uh, trudging through this mess, this uh, gossip. We'll see if, uh, well, there's any place on the road where the canopy is thick enough that we don't have to scrape too much snow out of the way before we... Put up uh, whatever it is that we're going to hide under. Don't think it's it's that difficult, especially through the four of you, to like set up a little camp. And uh, it might be a little tricky to find. Uh, well, it just started snowing, so you can probably find some decent uh, firewood still. No problem. So you get a fire going. You, you can start cooking. I think um, Goswin is very fond of uh, cooking everybody's rations. He has a little, little iron pot. Nice. And... Um, Nenker is, uh, has a little like he has a little recorder flute that he likes to play play little rustic songs on uh, tunes I mean and uh, Gosman is fond of like slapping his uh, thighs and knees make a rhythm so it, the, you know unless you hate it <laughs> it's it's decently cozy and and uh, and uh, fellowshipy right it's uh, it's uh, not the worst company and uh, you know night falls. I don't know what your your what kind of stuff you've come up with between the four of you in terms of like oh should do you have watches do you do you all just sleep or is there a particular person who's always paranoid about who you might run into what's the deal well between the four of us it shouldn't be very difficult to divide up watches a quarter night is not going to be terribly long so all right so who has the last the very last watch who's the early riser I'll take it. Okay. Leon's the early riser. The snow f- keeps falling all through the night, and it just piles higher and higher and higher. The branches become heavy and pregnant with the with thick white layers, and um, you have to kind of shelter the fire a little bit and uh, all that. But when the daylight starts spilling in, you know, before the proper sunrise, but you, s- you still have, like, morning light, it's like there's a blanket of white everywhere. It's proper cold, finger-numbing cold. So you're sitting there by the fire, like, warming your hands, probably. And then across the fire, you see a little girl, maybe eight, uh, and she's holding a crow in her hands. And she's kind of just staring there, standing there, staring at you, kind of looking like she's not sure if she should come warm herself by the fire or run away because you're a stranger. Crow alive or dead? Oh, <laughs> her eyes are not blue. <laughs> she looks. She looks live. 
Like you said, she was holding a crow. Mm-hmm. Is the crow alive or dead? It's moving ever so slightly, at least the neck. So Hazard, I guess, is he alive, yeah. Hello? Want to get warm by the fire? Oh, ro- yeah, we should have reaction rolls. That's the thing in this game. Um, so it's like 2d6, right? Do you have a charisma modifier? Is it minus or plus? I'm sure I have a minus. No, I don't know. You don't have a modifier at all. I'm just a... Okay. Oh, so she uh, looks uh, terrified, and then she uh, turns and takes off. It's just running off into the woods. Hey, shrug. <laughs> Kids today. All right. Well, uh, it starts to get to the point where, you know, your watch is over. You got to wake the others. I just start clapping my hands. And, hey, I'll get up. Morning. Sleep anymore, you'll be covered in snow. Uh, it's probably why it hurts so much. Brush it off. Stand up, shake. Poor skinny Nanker is rolled up in a ball uh, under a thin traveler's, traveler's blanket, shivering. <laughs> but yeah, they, they get up too. Oh, this this is not good, says Goswin. It's going to take forever to get anywhere now. Aye, we didn't bring the shoes for this, we didn't. But we've got no other choice, do we? There's nowhere to hold up around here. Wait for it to go away. We'd be waiting all winter, maybe. It's too long. Yeah, somebody must live around here. There was a little girl here this morning. Oh, was there? And she didn't stick around. Yeah, no, she ran off over that way. You can still probably see some, some depressions in the snow. Where where the snowfall has filled in most of them. Oh, bit of footprints here, so there are. Uh, Ninker's like, oh, maybe we should see if we can call on them, see see if they have some some warm soup or something. Might be worth doing. She went straight home to tell the folks that we're out here on the road. Then, uh, yeah, I guess we can follow the depressions in the snow. So we pack up and go before they're completely filled in. Okay. So you, you pack up your camp, start following the tracks. Strange, strange things starts happening. Like uh, you start hearing like the howling of wolves and uh, like the hooting of, of birds that you didn't expect. You did not expect to hear them now or like this, this seems a little too wild or weird. The snowfall thins and stops um, and everywhere the snow is just lying around glittering like uh, like um, jewels, infinite amounts of jewels in every direction. When the sun comes out, it becomes kind of blinding. You trudge for several hours through the woods, following what tracks you can find, until you get to, like, a. there's a fairly sizable clearing in the woods, and uh, you can see a cottage, probably like a woodsman's cottage. There's smoke coming off out of uh, the... I know this word. <laughs> the chimney. Smoke coming out of the chimney... You can hear somebody chopping wood probably on the other side of the house. Well, we should go around and present ourselves to the master of the house to make our petitions. Okay. All four of you, one of you, two of you. I'd say me at least. As a nanker's like smelling the air. It's like, oh, that, that smells like stew. Rabbit, maybe? Well, be calm, and I'm sure that we'll be able to talk him into helping us out a little bit. You first, then. So I go on around the house. I'll follow. Okay. Ninker and Gosman follow at a, at a slight distance, Ninker being drawn more to the, the windows. So, yeah, you, you turn the corner. There is indeed a human shape chopping wood. A very shaggy back uh, of a head rises up over the collar, and uh, two large curving 
goat horns, and you see two kind of leaf-shaped goat ears. I see. Uh, Leon, keep Nankur and Goswin back. I'm going to have to... I've got to make sure I don't startle the gentleman. This may be a bit more of an involved negotiation. I'm going to circle around so he can... So that the man with the goat horns can see me. I'm not going to come up on his back. He takes a pause at some point when you're, when you're trudging through the snow. Uh, he pauses between, between swings and turns. And indeed, you see a very shaggy, essentially anthropoid goat. Dark brown, shaggy fur, goat eyes. But he has like hands, furry human hands, essentially. Black nailed fingers. Uh, he's wearing like a shirt, vest, trousers. And, uh, you know, he has like goat's feet. A good day to you, sir. And begging your pardon for the intrusion. Uh, don't worry, you startled me. Mm. We are travelers bound for worms, but we have become somewhat disoriented in the snow. We're surprised by the snow falling so heavy so early. And so we have come to petition perhaps a little bit of soup and a little bit of aid finding our way. What price might you ask for such aid he uh lets the the axe rest a bit in his hands still his goat eyes look around as if to see if he could see who you're talking about how how many are you there are three men folk with me uh well i'm sorry sorry. well i I suppose we could we could scrunch up something uh well if you have able-bodied men folk then they're good sorts i hope I think so. I just, well, we'll need to be a little cautious that we don't, that they don't startle. I'm not sure that they're as used to talking to wood folk such as yourself as I am. Ah, uh, well, let us just, uh, let us just go into the cottage first. Uh, uh, He turns around and he takes a a big manly swing and and plants the, the axe in the in the stump he's been using right. for yeah and we'll see if they're amenable to doing a little work so i'll go back around to leon and tell leon and gonswin and Ninker to keep their shit together <laughs> when the man of the house comes around we're gonna go into the cottage and we're gonna palaver about doing some work when she was off having that conversation i think i would sneak up to try to peek in the window so uh yeah i think you have like necker over your shoulder <laughs> yeah and i'm like back up back up <laughs> you you too can smell something like there's a stew or something cooking you peer through kind of the shutters you see the little girl from the woods she's uh sitting in an in an like a she's too small for the rocking chair but she's sitting in a rocking chair rocking back and forth She's still holding the crow, and uh, yeah, there's clearly something cooking in there. Kind of dim. I don't see any any others than the girl. I think you see somebody in the dimness standing by, probably uh, like a cooking pot or something. Somebody in a dress, so you assume it's a woman. Probably maybe her mother. Her mother. Ninker's like, ah, what do you see? What do you see? The girl's there. Probably her mother. Or food? Any bread? Sausages? I think they're cooking something. Yeah. We should, we should knock on the door. I'll see what uh, 
see how the negotiations go with uh, the master of the house. Yeah, well, all right. Okay, so you come around the corner, I guess, there, Senna Yep. Everybody keep it together and be civil and polite. Yeah, two of them are like crouched by the one of the windowsills. Get away you're, from there. You're in. <laughs> Get down. He's going to see you. So what do you say? We're going to go in the cottage and we're going to have a talk. Probably about the menfolk and maybe probably me too. Doing some work to see if they can scrounge up some food for us in exchange. All right. Awesome. It's like work. <laughs> what kind of work? I don't know. Probably helping with the wood chopping or, you know, things like that. Won't be anything too onerous for strapping lads like yourself. Unless he means us to go find and kill some kind of monster out there, but <sighs> surely there's no such things. All right, so rounded the corner of the house is this individual, this this anthropomorphic goat, very tall. He's like, you know, with the horns, he's like 6'6", six, six, something like that. Dressed in in a simple woodsman's clothing, goat feet, <laughs> and like uh, I think like Oswin screams, Goswin, sorry. No, don't do that. <laughs> Quit down. <laughs> Nenker is like he's crossing himself. Be polite. Stop. Goswin's like, but but that is that is false. God, it's no god. It's 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 the guy who lives here. Said no, it's not a. God, it's one, it's one of the false gods. Of, uh, d- 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 and he, he tries to like make sense of what he's seeing. Right? He didn't... When I went to talk to him, he didn't go, Oh, fall down and worship me. Or anything like that. He just said, let's have some talk about maybe scrounging up some food. That's it. Oak man is standing there, arms akimbo, waiting for you to figure this out. I ask, oh, I always knew this was coming. People in the central lands, they just don't understand. All right, so maybe you two just stay out here and we'll do the talking. And it'll be fine. And I'm sure my accent keeps changing, but don't worry about that. Well, far too cold out here. You have to go inside and warm yourself up. Very well, then. I'm terribly sorry, sir, about these city folk. They just don't... They aren't used to being around a variety of peoples and cultures. I, I understand, uh, young woman. Uh, so the goat man goes, Smaller! We have guests! And he bangs on the shutters as he passes them toward the door. Thank you. Right. And I will follow his lead. Don't, th- don't thank me. Uh, thank you. Uh, so long since we had any, any guests. And he opens the door for all of you. And like he does the, the show of like you know welcome in, step inside. You, know, you hear a braying sort of woman's voice inside, like, what, what are you, uh, guests already? As I uh, sort of walking around the, the hut here, um, are there any sort of decorations or anything on the outside? Uh, there might be some antlers. Uh, it really isn't much. And and uh, usual superstition things, like uh, maybe a horseshoe over the door, the door or something, that's completely missing. No pentagrams. No pentagrams. <laughs> no weird runes. It appears to be a, a a pretty common woodsman's cottage. Y'all step inside? Yeah. Okay. So there's a warm, cozy interior. There are uh, 
herbs hanging from the ceiling with and there's this crisp bread on holes in the ceiling there's a goat woman uh kind of like a female version of of a goat man at a at a pot stirring it smells kind of like a cross between porridge and stew it probably is a combination of the two and then you see the girl in the little rocking chair and not little rocking chair the little girl in the rocking chair there are beds uh somewhat cramped in here but there's a, a table with enough seats that everybody can sit if the the goat man stands which he doesn't seem to have to mind right and uh the woman's like oh 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 so many of you uh and she starts rummaging around for like wooden bowls i we are a party of four yeah yes i can count young young woman i beg your pardon that's all right not <laughs> been a long day dragging ourselves through the snow Oh, and sometimes yeah. it's hard to remember all of my manners when I'm so tired. You get a bowl of, of meat-infused soupy porridge stuck under your nose. Thank you. She does the same, like uh, fill, fills a bowl for each of you, gives you some wooden utensils, points to the, the little table and clears away some some uh, embroidery she's been working on in a corner. Sit, uh, sit, sit, sit. Um, Thank you. The goat man goes over to to the fire and he he fishes out a pipe and starts stuffing it with uh, something from his pocket and lights it. Uh, and the little girl uh, stops rocking in the chair and she kind of creeping away and she's hiding under one of the beds with with her crow. I'll give her a little smile, but uh, not trying to stop her or anything. I'm afraid your uh, daughter finds my visit frightening. Oh, don't don't worry about. I'll give her a name. Uh, what would he call her? Uh, he would probably call her Clover. Uh, don't don't worry about Clover. She's an orphan. Uh, we just took her in since uh, nobody else wanted to. Of course, we know anyway. Uh, wandering the woods. She, she's this way every time we have guests. Mm. Yes, and quite a capable little wanderer she is too. That uh, she's able to come and go much faster than we are since it seemed that uh, she did pass by our camp this morning. Oh, indeed, oh, indeed. Well, whereabouts did you camp? We camped on the road about yay distance that away. It would take a while, yes. Well, she is a quick little girl. She knows the land. And maybe if she opens up to us later on, maybe she could tell us a little bit better how to get back on our way. Oh, the poor girl has not spoken a word ever since she came here. Ah. I doubt that. So no doubt something... Well, I'm sure losing her parents... Must have been very hard, though I know you wouldn't know the story, since she hasn't spoke. Yes, unfortunate or not. In any case, uh, uh, I'm not entirely sure how to tell you this, but uh, you, you're essentially stuck here with us. Because of the snow? Is the snow likely to stay? I don't know if you can tell from his goat face what he's thinking, but uh, he takes a break and he, he... He means we're here forever. Uh, he kind of smacks his lips a bit uh, across over the the pipe stem, and he says, "There's a curse on this valley and over these woods. It's always winter here. No one has been able to leave. It's only through the fortune, really, of strangers who pass by and get lost and that were able to subsist. And hard work, of course, and the fishing. So, since it was snowing on the road, you mean?" That even if we had stayed on the road, we wouldn't have made it through the valley. Oh, I confess I don't know that. But uh, 
You won't be able to leave, I know that much. We have tried. Well, that presents a pretty problem, if it's been unsolved all this time. Oh, that's a good five years now. No idea what initiated this curse? Um, well, I do seem to recall um, the winter started, like I said, um, uh, some years ago. So around the time when uh, the local uh, folked, uh, he, uh, the folked uh, lost his, um, his wife. She went through the ice, didn't she, uh, dear? And uh, the woman goes, yes, yes. Very tragic. He, his, his wife, she went wandering and, and she went through the ice in the tarn not, uh, to the south. It's, it's, uh, it's not deep, but uh, the winter cold and uh, ooh, that's a death sentence, you understand. Uh, uh, I helped him bury her in the cemetery over, uh, he points with a pipe stem, like uh, over eastward next next to the keep. But uh, ever since, it's been winter. He and his keeper within this valley and still. Oh, yes, uh, eastern side. Mm. Well, I'm no druid, but it may be as if we visit the laird, perhaps we could figure out some way to deal with his grief or or something. See if we can't get time back on its proper course. That would be a feat. Uh, well, we'd appreciate it, of course, but uh, I don't know if that is within any mortal's power. Might be and as it isn't, but I'm sure that every new person who gets stuck here always feels that they've got to try something, don't they? That's true. Uh, well, I should warn you, there are uh, a number of, of these unfortunate souls they've banded together, and uh, they're, they're, they're not good sorts. They harry other lost travelers and us sometimes if we do not hand over some food. They stick mostly to the northern part of the valley. All right. Well, then, hopefully, if we stay out of the north, we won't run into these bandits. Yes, sir. I either uh, go go uh, um, say hello to the the Lord and uh, the Fogt, and uh, he will may, maybe he will help you. All right. But now, uh, more to the point, is there work you need doing around here for uh, for your hospitality? Oh, the woman's like, well, I, I don't know if they, a little bit of thin gruel stew is uh, is worth any hard work. Uh, especially for poor ones such as yourselves in, in these circumstances. Why don't you uh, go and inquire with the the Lord? If you if you come back, we, we, we can work something out, can't we, Leary? You know, the goat man nods where he stands. All right. We're very grateful to you. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Oh, Godswin and Nankras have been sitting there, like, in silence, uh, barely touching their food. <laughs> You know, that's the weirdest conversation they've been in or been witness to. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll look at him. Well, uh, you guys want to come with us or stay here? Uh, no, no, we'll, uh, yeah. Uh, th- thank you, Miss, for the, ho- Mrs. for the hospitality, says Goswin. And, and uh, Ninker's like uh, uh, nodding, trying to stop himself from crossing himself again. Did we ever get names for the goat people? Oh, uh, Smala, and um, I don't think I mentioned um, the dude, right? Well, let's call him Ramsey. Why not? Ramsey and Smala. And the little girl was Clover. If you do go now and find the the folk, then uh, do tell do tell them uh, Ramsey uh, sent you, and, and he should be he shouldn't mistake you for for the near do wills. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And tell we gentlemen, I'm fortified by that uh, fine meal. Mm-hmm. Warmer than our dried meats and fruits, for sure. 
All right. Off into the trudge through the snow. Now, there is a, a trail, essentially. It probably was a small road once upon a time, but it's still like nobody's been, you know, clearing it. So while it's been used and trudged through and tr- down and trodden down, it's still snowy. It'll be easier to take the, the path rather than, you know, trudge through the woods and fields. But it's not a straight shot, right? So uh, Ramsey comes out and he points with his, his pipe stem like, uh, follow the road there and uh, you'll come to an intersection. And um, there's a little, there's a little uh, river that goes to the middle of the valley. And uh, if you go north, you'll cross a, a bridge. If you, go, uh, if you go east instead of north, uh, when you come to the little intersection, then uh, it'll eventually take you to the, the keep. Very good. And he looks up in the sky. Oh, what I think that will take the better part of the day to get there. Yes, we'll have to hope he's in a hospitable mood. What time of day is it? Late morning. Late morning. Okay. Yeah. So we wouldn't get much advantage by sticking around here for. No, you you'll get there by twenty night, hours right? and yeah. yeah. Yep. Maybe the feeling also that like uh, maybe they don't want you here. <laughs> Like, yo, yeah, why don't you go over to the Lord? Yeah, the keep. That's great. Wonderful. Sure. You're welcome, of course, here, but, but you know, don't stay too long. <laughs> it's hard to read a goat. <laughs> Indeed it is. All right, so we'll get going and keep our eyes and ears open. It was strange that we were hearing so many night creatures in the day with all of this bright sunlight, but... That's kind of calmed down now uh, Good. once you're on the road. Yeah, the wilderness just seems more wild and more un, uh, weird in general than normal. These talk of animals and bandits and stuff, I guess I'll like, string my bow. Clever. Yeah. Good to be prepared. I guess seeing that you're doing it, I guess uh, uh, the two men-at-arms will do the same. So uh, once you're a little bit away from the cottage, Gossman is like, uh, this is not right. This is not right. How, how do we... This can't be true. This is all nonsense. It's just, it's just, we just met some fairy creatures and they, they're lying to us, surely. Might be. And if we get a little more information, maybe we can get some confirmation that it is a lie and then we can be on our way. Wouldn't he try to trick us and get us into a, a trap of some kind? Mm, well, keep your eyes open. In the stories, though, the people who I say, oh, they're trying to trap us and they go the other way, they end up in a worse trap. Really? <laughs> You're pretty sure Goswin is not literate. <laughs> or haven't heard that story. Um, <laughs> he's like stroking his non-existent chin, like trying to figure out, like, should he try to go back or stick with you? And then like, uh, Nanker doesn't seem very eager to leave you. So he's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> All right, let's go see this, uh, this Lord. But it's going to be your fault when we're eating. <laughs> when we're going to eat. <laughs> Well, I'll own up to it then. <laughs> then you can go to heaven, and I'll do all the suffering for all of us down in hell. And you could have that satisfaction. He's muttering something, uh, like maybe some sort of prayer to uh, uh, one of the saints, some saint of travelers or something. Yeah, you get going. Much like uh, like uh, Ramsey described, you know, the road takes you kind of in a in a east-northeastern direction until it comes to a little kind of three-way uh, intersection, and um, one road leads north, and you can see a, a bridge in the distance, a small wooden, not wooden, stone bridge over a um, narrow part of a river. Uh, barely, you could barely call it a river. It's more like a, 
a stream frozen over now, of course. And then the other goes off in a kind of uh, south, um, uh, east, southeast direction. It's presumably toward the keep. The river's frozen over. We won't have to use the bridge. Depends on how thick the water is. The ice is. Should have brought the 10-foot pole. That's <laughs> what the two NPCs are for. <laughs> we'll tie this rope around you and it'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Where would you like to go? I'm thinking southeast. All right. So that we don't, you know, in case the Harriers are holding the bridge or, or under the bridge or anything like that. Okay. You deftly avoid the troll and uh, go east-southeast. Yeah. We would have had to call the billy goat then. <laughs> Ramsey, <laughs> come help us. I should have called him Tom. <laughs> it could have been like Tom Bombadil showing up and saving you. But okay, sure. Uh, you, you head off in that direction. For for a couple of hours, uh, the sun is in and out of the clouds, and uh, it's kind of like peaceful and idyllic almost, other than you know having to trudge through hard-packed snow, not being too much fun. But you know the surrounding land is all like uh, there are like little veils of, of cold mist crawling around. Uh, you have glittering snow heavy on the branches, uh, piles, little birds in the trees, stuff like that. Now. Given the time of the day, you're possibly halfway to the keep, and you can see kind of in the distance over the treetops, the top of a tower, kind of in the far distance, probably the the central tower. It's like an old, presumably like an older uh, design keep. This is like a, probably not the most giant, like we're not talking keep of the borderlands or a fairy tale castle or something. It's It's probably much smaller. But about then, you hear loud shouting from, from the north out of the woods like uh, somebody who is uh, either stubbed his toe or and is furious or uh, somebody who's about to murder somebody else and it's getting louder like it's coming your way looking for cover and getting my boat ready okay plenty of snow to dig into <laughs> so no problem prefer something a little more solid like a, a thick tree or something oh sure no problem that's also there that's fine uh, seeing you do that, uh, the the other two do the same. And uh, Sena Sena, what do you do? Also hiding. Okay. So waiting, watching, hiding. You begin to see the the, the shouting comes closer, and it's definitely now sounding like a a very deep throated man bellowing and roaring and and screaming in a rage. And then out of a, a thick collection of of uh, pine branches explodes, you know, in a shower of snow. Uh, a figure explodes out in front of you, and it's clearly on a path past you. He hasn't noticed you, and he's dressed in the, these like snow-infused, uh, this huge snow-infused bear skin. He he has this big, huge beard with icicles in it. He's got like crazy hair with with the snow and ice in it. He has a, a huge ice encrusted axe in in uh, his hand, and he's kind of like storming forward and and screaming in a in a rage whipping his arms and the axe about him uh and everywhere where he goes like it's like um the glitter of the snow kind of falls in his wake it's almost like he's producing it by his motions and it kind of thunders past you guys i'm gonna roll for your buddies since they're not uh the oh okay so he's about to like pass all of you and then uh, nenker sneezes He's a bit away from the rest of you, luckily, 
But then um, the figure like stops and he looks over and he's like got these crazy piercing blue gray eyes, bloodshot eyes. And he starts screaming at, he sees Nenka and starts screaming, yo, what have you done with her? You know, and he starts running at Nenka, you know, waving his ice axe. Nenka like drops his stuff and runs, you know, into the woods screaming. And the guy runs after him. What do you guys do? I look at, uh, I think that's the Lord. I, I, uh, who her, who her. Okay. You want to get his attention? Yeah. Yeah. I'll get out and get his attention. See if I can talk to him. Do you have a charisma modifier? No, I don't have a modifier. I only have a 12 charisma. He, he kind of stops in his, in his tracks, the, the, the snowy individual, the huge bear skin dude surrounds, turns around, sees you. And he screams at you, like, what have you done with her? Where have you hidden her? And he comes at you, like, waving the, the thing. And it gets, it gets noticeably colder the closer he gets to you. I'll get on my knees. <laughs> begging your pardon, my lord. Please tell me, who are you talking about? We need to know, or I need to know who you're talking about. And see if I can't help you, sir. So he stops in front of you, and now it's like, uh, you know... Yeah, I'm about to freeze to death. The, the nails on your hands feel like they're about to jump off your fingers. The, the, this air is biting into your skin. It's like you yeah, can I don't see, need to detect magic for this. Yeah, like you, get like you feel like frost starting to form in your eyebrows and in your hair. Clasp <laughs> my hands together tightly. Yeah. So he looks down at you, and he looks like he is... Like there's this insane manifestation of, of winter. He raises the axe and he says, you show her to me now or so help me. Please tell me who and we'll look for her, please. What, what was uh, Leon saying? Uh, come for me. We want to help you look for her. Hmm. Uh, uh, he grabs uh, poor Senna by the front of her clothing, like yanks her up, shoves her at Leon. And he points to both of you in a threatening manner. He says, you find her, you find her, you bring her to me. Or so help me, I will murder everyone in this valley. And then, you know, he starts rushing off, like, in, in the opposite direction in a, into the woods. And bring her where? To the keep? This veil of just glittering snow, you know, settles in his wake. It seems unhinged. It seems completely unhinged. A little bit. <laughs> We may have to do a spot of murder, Leon. So we will. I don't know that we can murder that. Probably not. Maybe a really big fire. Well, I do have some oil. So do I. Good. We'll have to think about how we can set that up. While we uh, look for her. Let's hope we gave, uh, was it Goswin who ran off? Uh, Nenker. Goswin is like <laughs> face first into a snowdrift, like trying to hide. Let's hope we gave Nenker a... Uh... Uh, enough of a head start yeah <laughs> yeah so he, sorry if that wasn't clo- uh, clear the the madman ran off in a different direction he wasn't pursuing anchor anymore it was just he, here's somebody who might know where she is whoever she is well let's hope there's somebody at the keep who can uh, help us to unravel this hope they aren't all crazy now either he's looking for his dead wife or do you think clover might be his daughter just speculating perhaps yeah, well, those are the only two hers that we've heard of so far, so... Yeah. Unless it could be a third unknown her. Mm. It's definitely not me, and I can't stand in, because, well, I sure didn't fit the description. Yeah, there's, like, ice kind of 
<laughs> where he grabbed you like on on the on the front of your clothing there. We have to try to break some of it off and mm-hmm. hopefully not break my tunic open with it. You see Nenker in the distance, kind of poking, pe- peeking, like at you from behind a tree. Like, oh, is it safe? He went that way. I'll have to pick up his pack and save him a few steps. Take it to him. Well, we're gonna have to go to the keep, Nenker, and uh, see if there's anybody who knows more what that loony's talking about. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. St- I don't want to be in this valley anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go then. Now. We'll need to double time it. Let's go. So you hurry along the road, and uh, about early evening, you uh, reach the enclosure, which is a kind of like a, it's a low stone wall topped with uh, with a, a, a wooden palisade, and there's a like a wooden uh, gate tower, if you will, uh, or like a gate building, uh, and then there's clearly like a like an enclosure, and then there's a little hill, and on the hill there's a there's a stone tower. Uh, you can see that uh, there's you know smoke coming from a chimney in a tower. There's smoke coming coming from presumably like an outbuilding in the somewhere inside the enclosure, inside the wall. You don't see any any guards. You don't see any anyone keeping watch on the road. Nothing like that. And you don't see any very recent uh, tracks on the ground either. No cartwheel tracks. Nothing. Nobody even going out and getting firewood. Not recently, at least. You say the gate's closed? Yes. Probably didn't, but I, I meant to say the gate's closed. Okay. <laughs> Is there any, uh, like, a rope for a bell or anything? Uh, no. Nothing nothing obvious like that. You could always shout or bang on the on the gate. Or... I'll have to bang. Knock, knock. So uh, you bang on the gate, maybe shout a bit, and uh, you can hear voices on the inside, men's voices, and then... Um, you can hear somebody trudging through the snow to up toward um, the gate, and um, I guess there's a little like slot, wooden slot in the door. They, you know, withdraw, and you see, you see like some a pair of squinty, suspicious, dark eyes peering out at you. Who are you? I'm Senna Senna, and this is Leon, and we are travelers newly arrived. And is it not the law that all new arrivals must present themselves to the Lord so that He may know? Who walks on his lands? I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> they squint a little harder, and then um, it's like he's thinking for a minute, and I was like, uh, oh, maybe so, maybe so, maybe so. What did you say your name was? Senna Senna. Senna. Senna Senna and company. Takes a little moment, and then he's like, he shuts the slot, and then um, you hear a bunch of uh, like unlocking sounds, and then he opens the, the door in the oh. gate. Yes, I should mention that Ramsey sent us along, showed us the way. Ramsey, maybe the goat. Ah, uh, you see a um, filthy-looking, kind of uh, reedy, possibly cross between stable hand and uh, and uh, guardsman. Like he's half in guards clothing or armor, kind of like padded padded jack, and half in in like like he was mucking about in stables. He's like, uh, oh, well, uh, he points back up at the tower. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell uh, the folk that you're, you're here, the Lord. I'll incline my head. Uh, you, you can wait over there. And he points to one of the, the little outbuildings that's uh, connected to the stables. All right, now I'll go wait. There's another man there, kind of like, he looks like he might be his brother. They're very similar in, in look and in clothing. But he's just sitting on the steps to the house he pointed to, outbuilding he pointed to. Um, just smoking a pipe. Ninker and uh, Goswin come in, and they're like, uh, 
This is it. This is the keep. It is. We'll be announced. We'll just need to wait over there. They nod at the guy who's sitting on the steps. The guy nods back, doesn't say anything. Go over to him and go, cold enough for you? Yeah, that works. We're talking to, to Ramsey. He said it's been winter for the past five years. Is that right? Uh, yeah, a few few ones. Yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long winter. A little, little longer than normal, I think. Yeah. yeah. Don't keep too too close at track time. Mm. You ever go outside the walls here? Oh, me? No, no, my brother does that. Uh, you ever hear tell about like a crazy guy with an axe running around out there? Oh, you must, you must be talking about the the brigands out there up north, probably. Yeah, there are more in the woods. Yeah, this that wasn't a brigand. This was some guy wanting to know where she was. Can't help you there. Uh, never seen anyone like that. Can I give me read on him if he, uh, you know, any glimmer of recognition? He seems very disinterested in the world around him. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's barely making an effort answering your questions. He puts the good stuff in his pipe and retreats from reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong there, necessarily. So, how many folk uh, you got uh, living here at the keep? Uh, well, let's see here. There's me, there's a brother, there's a lord, and uh, or his wife. Uh, yeah, uh, he counts on his fingers. Yeah, of, uh, four of us. Really? That's all, huh? Lord's wife, I heard she had an accident. She okay? Oh, uh, did, did she? Yeah, maybe she did. Or she fell through the ice or something? Well, she's, well, I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe you should ask the Lord about that. I, I don't know. All right. Very interesting. Now he seems a little confused. Like, uh, he's not sure what you're talking about, if that wasn't clear. He seemed confused the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't take very long uh, before... Um, the first guy comes back, ignores you, goes into the stables, and then a moment later, uh, the door to the at the bottom of the key, uh, the you know keep tower uh, opens up, and um, a man in in somewhat expensive clothing, nobles clothing, but you know in a in a rustic rural noble sense, comes out. He's adjusting like his his getup, like he he dressed up just for for you guys, like not used to guests or something. He appears to be a, a like a healthy, vigorous young man. Uh, well, young man, thirties, youngish, close cropped hair. His friendly smile wanders over to a lot of you. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank Sorry you. to hear you're you're stuck here in the middle of winter. That's uh, it's quite unfortunate. Must be must be dire business for you to be uh, traveling in the the middle of this type of weather. Indeed, we had business in worms. Uh, he pauses for a moment, like he's searching for what that might be, and then, oh, yes, 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 worms, yes. Yes, I I, I know the bishop there. Uh, good man, good man. Uh, well, we can't have you standing out here in the cold. Uh, you must be you must be frozen to the very bone. Let us go inside and have some food, and we can, we can work out the nasty business of whether or not you have some toll to pay me. We are indebted to you. Well, well I wouldn't say that yet. Let's, uh, let's see where things go. Oh, and perhaps, um, perhaps uh, he looks you over. Uh, uh, perhaps my wife has something in your size. Uh, perhaps we can offer you a new set of clothing, at least for dinner. Mm, indeed. Yes, I've not been able to carry my finery with me on the road. I, I understand, he says, and he, you know, like, uh, gives you a wink as if, like, you're hiding your wealth. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes up to the door and, uh, and um, invites you in to the, the tower proper. And the, you know, inside there, there, you know, it's a stone building. You know, there are hangings, there are candles, and 
uh, mirrored candles, uh, by which I mean to say it's like polished metal uh, candle holders that reflect the light and all that stuff. It's kind of like a, a noble's abode in the rustic outback. Uh, he shows you into a, a dining uh, hall that kind of looks like a, it looks more like a nobleman's hunting lodge dining hall than a nobleman's, you know, estate hunting hall, obviously, but uh, sorry, dining hall. But everything is there. Everything critical is there. There's, you know, there's, um, there's wine, there, there, there's silverware, there's all that stuff. Yes, yes, uh, uh, Leon, there's silverware. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a big, you know, portrait of the, either it's the Lord himself or it's a forefather who looks almost exactly like him, like standing, you know, with his foot on like a, like a huge deer or something and like with a bow triumphantly, you know, it's like hanging if if the Lord would sit at the high seat, like if that painting is behind him mm -hmm. <laughs> on the wall. Oh, well, do sit down, do sit down. You know, we are a little, we're simple folk out here. We have to do many things all at once. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the cook uh, ran off to join the brigands. So I'm, I'm forced to do some of this this myself. But I, I dare say I've gotten quite good at the menial tasks. And uh, if you just uh, hold on a moment, I was already preparing uh, a meal for myself and my lovely wife, but uh, uh, I shall be back uh, with food for everybody. In the meantime, uh, enjoy the enjoy the wine. I will see you momentarily, and he like hustles off. So we can have some wine as we enjoy the fine work of the portraiture art appreciation. Nanker seems more more at ease. Gossman is still like, okay, this is still weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I think I kind of walk around the room just kind of examining everything for anything strange or out of place. Hmm. Uh, other than perhaps some of these things being a little archaic, like they're, they're, you know, a decade in the past in terms of what you're used to seeing from nobles, in terms of fashion and such, it changes a lot faster among the, the highborn than ordinary people, obviously. Other than that, I don't think you notice anything really weird. Perhaps if you investigated other rooms, maybe his personal chambers, you might, might find something more personal or, or uh, you know, distinct. Down here, it's most mostly art, silverware, and and uh, the practicals. Okay. Sena, Sena, you want to do anything particular? Enjoy the wine? Yeah, I'm mostly uh, wondering if we're going to have the privilege of dining with his wife, or if he's going to say oh well my wife isn't able to come to dinner tonight mm -hmm. she's not feeling well so i'm kind of mostly seeing how things spool out here okay so uh, if you take it easy and wait then he returns after a moment with a uh like a large platter and um he has like a, a pot and and dishes and so forth on it uh by dishes i mean like plates <laughs> She sets down and then he, he uh, uh, you know, presents uh, uh, some sort of dish. You think it might be some kind of fish. You don't think it might be some kind of fish. It is fish, but it's been like uh, breaded, like it's breaded fish. And um, uh, there are some like uh, boiled uh, vegetable matter, like some chives or something and uh, some some root vegetable stuff. Like it, clearly like he's taken care and time to enjoy making something for himself and now you. There, there we go. He, you know, presents everything, and then he like starts pouring wine for everybody. Unless you've partaken already, this is most pleasing. It is good to see that a man takes a wide variety of interests and a 
hair in a craft. Well, I, I regret to say that uh, it was thrust upon me, but um, indeed, I find I find a particular joy in doing the little things, uh, particularly since it pleases my wife. She is a singular woman. Yes, I most look forward to dining with her. Yes, uh, I, I hope she is uh, she is uh, in the mood to um, to show up. She is a little um, she is a little whimsical. Um, but uh, I always set the table, and if she's in the mood, then she will appear, and, and uh, I shall make uh, introductions. Uh, otherwise, I fear we shall have to let her be, leave her be. She brings me such joy that um, I don't care to force her to socialize and, and so forth. Uh, yes. Ah. Is she in good health? Oh, in the best of health. I could probably, I, I'm confident in saying that she is probably healthier than anyone I've ever known, myself included. And I feel I am, I am in the prime of my life. And he puffs out his chest like, uh, like he's in a, in a ballet. It is joyful to hear. Yes, most. We had heard from the fellow we met uh, that uh, she had had an accident. I'm sorry, the fellow you met? Yes, uh, the woodsman. Ramsey? Ramsey. Oh, the wood. Yes, 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 yes. The, the, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I see. He, he tall, put little horns on my head, you know. Yes, yes. Yes, Ramsey, that's his name. Yes, of course. Uh, what did he say? He said, what? She had an accident, fallen through the ice. Yeah, I, I cannot recall once. I cannot recall that. Perhaps he's confused. I am glad to hear that she is fine. Well, yes. Well, I'm, I'm certain I would know if she had gone through the ice. Strange. Strange. In any case, do enjoy the fish. Uh, he starts picking at his with, with a, like an exaggeratedly dainty style, like holding his utensils with the tips of his fingers and like a little finger thrust out and like, mmm. Oh, I find these, these particular local fishes uh, in the stream just exquisite. Just exquisite. Yeah, cut off little little bits with the knife. I have a little bit at a time. I don't know if we have forks. Fork and left hand, knife and right hand, or if there's just knives. I mean, there are, pr there are probably more utensils that you know what to do with. Okay. But, you know, you, you can choose whatever. Like, uh, And he doesn't seem to, like, be like, oh you, oh, you have to use this thing. You have to use that thing. He's like, it's rather more like when Nenker uses the wrong thing. He's like, he sits and, like, titters to himself. And then he enjoys his food. Like, it doesn't matter, really. Okay. He knows you're not you know, high-born. Oh, okay. Then my dissection will be all the easier. Mm -hmm. Oh, and he's, he's constantly, like, going, like, oh, try the chives. Oh, yeah, the onions there, they're exquisite, yes. Mm, wonderful. With this weather, I'm surprised you have this much um, vegetables and such. Yes, yes. Well, it's, it's all rather due to my wife, really. She has a most amazing green thumb, uh, uh, a garden that just, that's just evergreen, you see. Amazing, amazing woman in every way. God, and that would be wonderful to see if she'll allow it. I'm sure that she holds that close to her heart. Mm -hmm. And as she's talk, he's talking about her, like uh, there's a feeling of like the atmosphere changing a little bit. Like you feel like the temperature suddenly is a maybe a little higher in the room, and then uh, you can hear these dainty footsteps of bare feet coming into into the room. And maybe you look up, and there's this 
beautiful young redheaded woman in a green dress, a uh, noble woman's dress, and she's kind of half walking, half dancing, kind of over to the Lord. He he gets up out of his seat and goes, ah, my dear, and he takes her hands and they, they kiss daintily and then uh, he turns as if to, you know, introduce her. Ah, everyone, uh, my dear wife, my dear wife, we have guests. And, you know, she looks at you all with these blue-green eyes. I'll rise and curtsy to her. Uh, and there's there's just this sense of, like, infinite warmth and friendliness out of her. She smiles without showing any teeth at each of you and, like, nods. She doesn't say anything. Uh, then she looks back at him, uh, and then she starts to kind of like half dance, waltz out of the room, out of there. And when she leaves, this feeling, this warm feeling, which wasn't just a temperature feeling. It's like you you felt warm, like you felt better just when she was in in her press in your presence. That goes away. It kind of just it's almost like suddenly the room is much more gray and washed out, and the food isn't as tasty. And the Lord is standing there, like looking off into into the the doorway where she left. Like, ah, isn't she just lovely? Yes. To, to briefly have the pleasure of her presence, and then for it to go away, everything else just seems. Ah, I count myself. I among... miss her already. Yes, yes. I say I must count myself as among the the very lucky. How long have you been married? Oh, it's been years now. Uh, Yes, uh, a most a most happy period. The most happy period, in fact, in my life, I, I, I must say. Where did you meet her? Where did we meet her? Well, it was here, wasn't it? Yes, this was here, this very valley. Uh, I had been appointed to take over. I remember I was quite cross, you see, because uh, I was not very look, uh, looking forward very much to, uh, to being at this uh, wild extremity of the, of the realm, away from courts and my good friend, the bishop, but uh, but uh, she changed all that, as uh, as you understand, and now I'm I'm quite satisfied. She's a local. Well, I believe so. I, I have not inquired deeply, not that I think it matters, but I think it is evident for to everyone to see that she is obviously of noble birth. Obviously, obviously. But you haven't uh, met her family. Uh, you know, I can't recall. Perhaps we did, but you know, that's all in the past. Any rivals for her affection? Oh, I'm sure there must be all those dreadful brigands, for one. I'm sure that uh, my good men out there steal glances every once in a while, but uh, they, they keep themselves in check. They're, they're decent. They do indeed keep themselves in check. Yes, and, uh, well, perhaps I am fortunate to live this far from, uh, from proper civilization, given the treasure I have. Uh, in any case, eat, eat, drink. Thank you. And he starts. He starts talking about like uh, that time when he hunted that deer, uh, and and uh, his fishing trip with the with the younger of the two brothers who works for him. Drones on and on and on. And he points to the you know he points to the the portrait which was you know painted apparently some years ago. That is the very deer, and and so on and so forth. Ah, it is remarkable work. Was the portrait artist local? Did he? Did you hire him from out of the valley? Um, there's a pause, and then he says, uh, um, he must have been a passing, uh, painter, yes. Yes, that must be it. Unless I commissioned it. I can't quite recall. It is uh, so fine. It must have been commissioned. Yes, yes. He was a grey-looking man, 
uh, fine moustaches. I cannot remember his name. Perhaps it was Southern. Yes. Mm. Well, he was very good at any rate. You can see, you can see uh, the expert brushstrokes. Um, and he goes up and he almost caresses <laughs> his own painting. Yes, um, I do believe it was actually Ramsey who carved the the uh, frame here, and he uh, you know draws attention to the fine woodwork and flowers carved into the uh, painting's frame. I believe it. I should commission him to carve my door. It's been very dreadfully boring uh, of late. Perhaps I could get my wife to plant some flowers around there. That would be that would be lovely. Yes. In any case, I'm sure you are very tired. So I have taken the liberty to uh, arrange uh, a little corner, a little nook here uh, with my wife. So uh, you will have a room to yourselves. There, unfortunately, there is only one bed, but uh, there are um, straw mattresses and blankets for everybody. At least you will you will not sleep with the cold. Very generous. I'm sure it will be uh, very comfortable. I hope so. I hope so. Okay. After several days on the road, uh, it will be the luxurious. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm, as I'm sure you understand, I must also entertain my, my dear suffering wife. Please do attend to her. Uh, if there's anything you need, don't bother. Don't, don't, um, don't hesitate. Yes, don't hesitate to ask my, my man out there. Uh, he will take care of any, any, any issue that crops up or if you're hungry or thirsty or, or what have you. All right. Yes, they, they seem very uh, attentive. <laughs> he does not detect the, the sarcasm. He says, well, at any rate, I bid you good night. Uh, he bows and uh, excuses himself. All right. Well, let's uh, get to our room. I'll watch where he's going, and I'm going to go exploring. So he goes up, uh, and uh, the room set aside for you is another of the, of the rooms at the bottom uh, of the house. It's basically around the corner. It shares kind of a, a, the same um, the same chimney uh, hole as uh, as um, the dining room. So you have a, a fire in that room as well. Now, do you want to go exploring everywhere in the tower, or start the first floor, or start the first floor? Okay. You see, there's not just like a little like guest room essentially in quotation marks. There's also like a storeroom in, in connection to the kitchen. The kitchen is very well furnished with pots, pans, there's a medieval-style oven, all that stuff. And um, uh, there's the, essentially, like, dining room down here. Nothing really stands out other than the fact that the storeroom is very well stocked with stuff. Uh, there's also, like, a back door, essentially, which, I guess, is locked, but it doesn't have, like, padlocks or anything on it. So you can just draw the... Slide the bolt. And... Yeah, slide the bolt. And um, if you do and you peek out, you can see it. there is, in fact, like a pretty prodigious back garden uh, that was obscured by the little hill when you came in. And it's like rows and rows and rows of, of green vegetable patches in the snow. Uh, like like there, there's a, a patch here with like the snow isn't on it, obviously. Like this, the snow is like it's like uh, the snow has melted when it came close to the vegetable patches. And they're just ridiculously overripe. Everything is ridiculously overripe and super you know, ready to be harvested. Old guilds of bones before you get to them. I guess then if I've explored the downstairs, then time to start creeping upstairs. Okay. So, yeah, the tower is kind of like, it's fairly cramped. The only really spacious room that you've come across so far has been the dining hall. And uh, once you go up, you appear to be kind of in the middle of the tower. It appears to be like a three-level 
tower, not counting the, you assume, unreachable attic. The second floor appears to be, there's a there's like a private library sitting room corner. And by library, I mean like there's like two bookshelves and um, some sort of uh, like a like an armory or some such uh, on the second floor. And the third floor seems to be where he has he has sequestered himself with his wife. It hasn't been too been that long since you he left you, so I don't know if you want to wait until they're clearly sleeping or go check out the library. All right, looking for anything in particular? A diary, uh, his his memoirs, <laughs> history of the valley. Uh... Hmm. Okay. Uh, roll a d six. Three. Three. Hmm. Okay, so uh, a quick look over the books reveals that most of them are uh, either books about um, about plants, right? Plants, or they're about noble families, lineages. Not so much, you know, anything exciting uh, or anything really revealing. I do think you find over over um, over the uh, backrest of uh, one of the chairs in there. There's um, little like not very precious uh locket like so, somebody left left it over the the backrest like over the the end end, end of the backrest hanging there it's probably not gold it's, it's probably some sort of alloy cheaper thing it's not nearly heavy enough or, or snazzy enough looking but that's there I obviously open it to see what's in it okay there's a little inscription very tiny so you have to kind of like squint at it but it says something like, uh, to my dear Esme. And he hasn't mentioned his name. He hasn't mentioned his wife's name. He only ever refers to his wife as his wife. No names in the book. Sometimes people, you know, they give a gift or something. They write a little dedication in there by hand. Nothing in any of the books. Oh, you can you can go through the books if you want to. Yeah, Looking for something like that. Oh, that sounds not a bad idea. Yeah, I think you, you, might, you might find an inscription. Let's say you find like a, a book on rare forest funguses by some some scholar uh, in Worms at the the university in Worms, and it's the inscription on the inside says, you know, to my uh, to my dear husband Albrecht, um, yours forever, Esme. I've probably given them hopefully enough time to fall asleep. Yeah, surely. And then I'm gonna continue up, assuming. Um... Santa Santa hasn't done anything. Wanted to do anything in the meantime. Yeah, let's let's hear if there's a, there's something you've been doing while um while Leon's been snooping. Well, have you been, have you been entertaining the the men somehow? It was just make yourself comfortable while I cogitate, because I think I've got a theory. Mostly, I'd probably share it with Leon. But if Leon has gone too long, I may need to do some investigating of my own. Okay, and that is well. What's the range on this uh, detect magic? 60 feet. 60 feet. This is a fairly small tower, you say. If I stand in the middle of the tower, what's the uh, the radius of the tower? 30 feet? If we assume that this also goes upward uh, in, a, in a sphere, right, then you'd cover essentially all the tower. Then uh, I'd give it a little bit of time, go out in the dining hall or someplace reasonably central cast detect magic and start looking around for the glows. I think the first thing that happens is that there's a, there's a very faint glow on a, in a lot of places. Mm. Um, what remains of your dinner plates have a faint glow to them. 
anywhere where you see like an indoor plant, it has a glow to it. You go exploring, right? So you get up to the second level and you see you see uh, Leon in the in the uh, library flipping through uh, books, and you see some some trace elements here as well. Whenever there's a like a flower in a vase or or um, something like that, it has a glow to it, and there is a glow that you can see coming from the the second floor. It's clearly so glowy that the glow is spilling out down the steps. That'll be the lady's bedchamber, I reckon. I hear it's magic. Yeah, suddenly you look around, you're like, well, why is this flower glowing? <laughs> right, Leon? <laughs> I may go and share a bit of my, uh, my speculation. Now, Leon, that guy out there, the crazy guy, Mr. Mr. Winter with the axe, and our lady here, our lady of high summer, I think they may be like fairy lords. They're a pair, and they're estranged. Or they need to switch roles. We need to put him in the castle and her out on the land. Either bring them together so they cancel each other out, or get them to switch places so we get the snow to melt. That's what I think. I don't think you're going to convince the Lord to marry him. (laughs) No. That is a good point. I mean, you could clean him up a little, but it's not going to... Well, if we tell him she's in the castle, then he'll lay siege. Well, it certainly seemed to have taken him a long time to begin besieging. Well, that's true. Maybe he is besieging with the winter here, and her ability to uh, provide plenty is negating that. Whether they both gotta go, mm-hmm. or... It has to change the current status. Or we get her to take a more active role. Yeah. So, we start plotting treason. I did find there's an Esme and an Albrecht. Maybe the Lord's Albrecht, maybe the wife is, was, Esme. Whether that's actually Esme up there or not. Or whether Esme drowned mm-hmm. and our fairy lady up there took her place for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's quite a pretty little problem. We need, like, a, a counselor for for marriages, I think. <laughs> Well, I know a successful marriage a few miles west of here on the road, but uh, other than their good example, ah, I suppose I'll have to do it. You've got a spell for that? Probably not. And I've never been married myself, so... But there's nothing like an outsider's unbiased perspective. Well, I was about to uh, head upstairs and see what I could find. If I don't come back, then you'll know that uh, there are horrors up there. There is a lot of magic spilling out of the bedchamber. He can see it too, remember? It's glowing everywhere. That's right. <laughs> I just pointed out to him. Oh, I can see the glow. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Everybody can. I don't ima- If she is a fairy lady, I don't imagine that this is her magic library or that they even need magic libraries, but maybe I'll take a, round, a look around too. You want to look around in the library then? I'll uh, look around in the library, okay. yeah. And, and uh, Leon, you, you take the stairs up quietly. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm not going to have you roll just to get up and in. We'll see what happens afterwards. You get to the top of the tower, and there's like a very small little hallway vestibule area. And then there's a large bedroom, and the, the door to the bedroom is ajar. So it's, you know the glow is spilling out from there. I assume you... You move up to the door and peer in, right? Of course. 
Now you can see a large bed. Uh, it's a bedroom, clearly, and and you know a dresser and all that stuff. The Lord and his wife are are in bed together. She's on top of the sheets, still in her uh, green dress. He's under the sheets, and she has an intense glow to her, like it's just uh, it's almost blinding. And he has a glow around a bracelet that he's wearing. Ah. Didn't see it at first, but but you know, one once you like put your hand up against her, you see that he also has that little glowy loop around his arm. All right. Well, obviously, I have to sneak over there and steal his bracelet. Right. This is probably where it's it's meaningful to see whether or not you could move silently. Yeah, and I got a whopping twenty percent chance of that. No. Okay. <laughs> so. You know, we see you take a few steps, and then one of the floorboards betray you. There's a loud creak. Jump for his arm to grab the the bracelet. <laughs> I think uh, that is where we should uh, we should uh, close this session, given the time. Awesome. <laughs> so perhaps if we get back to this, we'll start with wrestling over bracelets <laughs> in the Lord's bedchamber. <laughs> you don't understand, my lord. It's taking over your mind. I've got to take it off of you. <laughs> or that would be Santa Santa, but... That's off my property! <laughs> Near to will. Yes. This is how you repay me. All right, cool. Excellent. In this new design, I chose to use... Uh, I wanted to bring in some stuff, uh, basically uh, concepts that I like from um, King Arthur Pendragon, right? Where you have a set of traits. And the traits are not like necessarily good or bad. Um, depend, like if you have a very high trait, then you lean toward one side. And if you have a low trait, you lean toward the other side of the spectrum. So it might be like uh, lusty on one side and uh, chaste on the other. It's not necessarily a great thing to be either, but different cultures have different, what's the word? They have, some of the traits are considered virtues in certain cultures and certain contexts. So if you're a perfect, you want to be the perfect knight, for instance, you want to have all those like chaste, brave stuff, right? Problem with that is uh, if you have a very high trait, while it gives you bonuses to being a knight, um, there might maybe situations that can come up where it might benefit you to actually be not so chaste or not so, uh, you know, not so annoyingly virtuous. So I wanted something like that where the the trait if you have a high trait or a high virtue like it's going to benefit you however keep in mind that it's also intended to be an indication of, of where your character's at with the virtue and having a very high virtue might might cause them to view others with less favorable in a less favorable way right so uh, an example might be that if you have a high prudence like you are the person who prepares for winter and you you have to deal with the lazy or or people who are not very wise that that may be tr that may be an annoyance stuff like that but it's more like a it's not an obvious like i didn't want the high virtue to be obviously good always we'll see how it works we'll see if it matters but other than that you have strength which is basically my version of hit points just a basically a risk assessment tool and i didn't want it to be like a slash you die situation i wanted to be closer to the burning wheel in that you maybe suffer an injury and you may want to reconsider your course of action rather than than die immediately although that is possible if you roll really extreme numbers like you you know you roll 
snake eyes and your opponent rolls blocked cars, there's a risk. But even so, I think it's pretty small given the, the build curve. But we'll see again. Since you're, you're using these the virtues as modifiers for, for doing things, I think there'll, there'll be a lot of, is that is that temperance or is that prudence that I'm trying to do? You know, the, This is one of those elements where it might be good to take a page to explain you know, each virtue. I haven't done that yet. But yeah, hopefully I can I can help guide you. Or if you're looking for a particular thing, I can point you to a virtue that would be that would make sense. So uh, prudence, for instance, would be your your typical skills oriented set, like remembering things, uh, using discretion, which includes stealth, any kind of preparation that fortifies you against a, a, a coming threat that you're aware of, that kind of thing. Tempers is more like um, you know willpower, self self control. Uh, it would be what's that? skill in spirit of the century you you use it for like resisting it's like endurance but for social resolve uh maybe it's resolve or you're holding true to to an ideal or your 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 own self-control rather than give in fortitude would be pretty much only used in situations where you're facing real physical danger like a a duel like you know you're going into into a, a you have a bear in front of you who uh, wants to eat you. Like that's dealing with that is fortitude. <laughs> if you want to defend yourself, it might be prudence if you just want to get away, but it's probably going to be fortitude most of the time. The difference between the justice and charity justice is kind of like the ability to know what is happening, what is going on, what somebody is doing, but it doesn't give you the sense of why they're doing it. It's not about understanding uh, people. It's understanding processes or or piercing illusions that kind of thing seeing through a a charade you know it's, it's somebody is, are you just trying to butter me are you tr honestly looking to be friends with me or are you or are you just buttering me up that kind of thing um charity being more understanding why something is going on understanding the motivation that someone might have and it's also kind of like the, the charisma oriented virtue based on compassion, empathy, and warmth, like being inviting, being friendly. In Warhammer Fantasy, this would be fellowship, the fellowship attribute, more or less. Any questions about what, what would be like a good choice for a particular type of character? So far, I've put my high values in prudence and temperance and put fortitude right down at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you didn't, you didn't exactly play up like, let's, let's beat everybody. <laughs> let's beat everybody up. That wasn't your play. Nope. There's a lot of falling down on my knees and clasping my hands together and saying, please don't murder and or freeze us to death right here. <laughs> Indeed. And I mean, assuming, I assume you want to play the same character, so so uh, prudence would be a benefit to Leon, definitely. And probably be, being able to discern things accurately, like where people are, what they are doing, it depends on your vision. Maybe he's a decent judge of uh, of the truth, but better at something else. Yeah, maybe he's temperance is uh, the worst one because he's he did. I'll, I'll go sneaking around and mm -hmm. sneak up there, and you know, that probably wasn't a good idea. Something that that somebody with more temperance may have resisted. True. Um, so I, I'm guessing Senesena would be like the witch background, pretty much. Probably a witch. Yeah. Since you're choosing to be a witch we need to detail like your tradition you you talked about it being more to, more in the sense of like at the fringes druid like stuff right maybe 
Yeah, I'd say so. Maybe the tradition is interlinked with the, you know, fairy sorcery. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, for for Leon, did you are you thinking thief or maybe spy or? Yeah, these seemed reasonable enough. Then I think we could probably move on to play. Uh, so very last bits from last time, a floorboard betrayed you, and um, the two on the bed stirred, and that's when you, I believe, leapt for the mm-hmm. the bracelet on the bailiff's ha- arm, right? Yep. Okay. So if we're, if we're picking up immediately there, then this to me sounds like prudence. You're not under any immediate threat of violence. Uh, you're dealing with people who are just rousing from sleep or from, from a sleep-like state. So the stakes aren't particularly high either. I think uh, even, if, even if you don't manage to like snatch the, the bracelet, you might be able to explain why you're here if if you're really really good <laughs> <laughs> so these stakes are relatively low and it's it's definitely prudence what you're looking for is a you want a 10 to like snatch the the bracelet and you're only only rolling to be clear here since you have the thief ability that because you're in a situation with like a crazy fairy creature 2d6 plus prudence is that yes. for our listening audience indeed both of them hey there's a 10 oh cool Okay, so full success. You do, you do it. How do you do it? What's it look like? You leap forward and yeah, it's just um, sneak, 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 creak, and oh, um, I see the starting of uh, movement or waking. Kind of lunges forward, grabs the arm, and practice motion of uh, flipping it off. Mm-hmm. The bailiff Albrecht, he he. Um... He raises that arm to his face moments later to kind of rub an eye, and he he blinks at you, and he and then he blinks at his wife, who's like <laughs> lighting up the entire room um, in this this fairy radiance, and you're like four feet above the covers. <laughs> um, he said, "What in God's name?" And Blinks looks around, and maybe he sees a shadowy figure standing next to the bed, right? Uh, or maybe not shadowy. You're probably illuminated by the the glow of the, the fairy woman. And he starts a bit, I guess, when he sees you. Oh, my guest. Uh, is something the matter? The uh, glow. It doesn't uh, keep you awake at night? He blinks again and rubs his eyes, and, he, and his wife, you know, sits up in the bed and pulls her knees up under under her chin. And looks at you both warmly. Well, this is this is the most strange, this strange thing I've never seen anything like it. But my dear, and you know, he reaches over to touch her, and you know, she keeps glowing. <laughs> so, attempts to ascertain if there's something wrong with her, or you know, if she's harmed or something. But she just calmly smiles at him, allows him his ministrations, uh, and he, you know, keeps mumbling like, oh, what, oh, "What in God's name could have happened? Is this some sort of a spell? But who could have?" Well, this is this is dire. There seem to be strange things happening in the valley, and I'm concerned it may be affecting you and your wife. Strange things in the valley. What what what's, what do you speak of? Can I hear them from below? You could probably hear voices from below, Senna Senna. The persistence of of winter and the raving winter warrior. Remind me, did you mention the winter at dinner? You did, right? I, I did, and he just said, oh, yeah, it must be those bandits. He brushed it off, right? Yeah. 
So he says, uh, yeah, he's, he furrows his brow a bit, and he's, uh, well, did we not? I was sure we mentioned it's, yes, it's been a long, hard winter, but in any case, uh, this is, this is, he points to his wife, this is, this is most severe. Uh, I must, uh, he, he gets out of bed and he, you know, he reaches for his, his belt and his trousers and, or hose, I guess. And he says, we must, we must consult the, uh, the sorcerers who lives, lives in the north side of the valley. Maybe she will have a, an answer to all of this. I have been creeping closer to see if I can't listen in on this. Oh, no problem. No problem. That sounds a prudent plan. Tell, us, uh, tell me about this, uh, this uh, sorcerer. Okay, so he starts getting dressed and belting his blade um, to his midsection and looking for uh, his doublet. So do you wish to wait till morning or... No, this this cannot possibly wait. Uh, look, look at her. Something is. I mean, it's. He pauses a bit. I'll be coming up the stairs. Who's speaking? Bailiff, are you awake? Oh, my other dear guest. Uh, um, something. Something is the matter with my wife. I must go consult the the sorceress. So, if I've been able to make it into the room and see her, I'm going to address her in Sylvan, and I'm going to say. The land cries out for justice. No, the <laughs> land cries out for mercy. Ah, okay. please help us. I think she looks at you with warmth and pity, um, and then her eyes shift over to Albrecht, where he's like shrugging into his doublet, and there's a you know loving longing. You know, it's that gaze of of somebody who truly and well and truly deeply cares for another person. The land needs you, but she doesn't. She doesn't reply. The Lord of Winter rampages. Is there nothing we can do against him? Still in Sylvan? Yes. Hmm. Uh, I think she gets up from the bed and she kind of floats over in quotation marks to um, to the bailiff, helps him with his clothing, puts a winter cloak about him, and looks to you and to him and to you, you know, meaningfully, as if, like, you, you should probably, like, accompany this man <laughs> on his errand. All right. We'll stay close to him and keep him safe. And I guess that I can say in Sejan. Sure. Which is the common tongue for, for whoever is listening. Because I'm not going to get her to talk, apparently. But you do expect her to die. So, okay. So he he uh, turns around and he uh, embraces her, uh, kisses her. Uh, fret not, my dear. I will I will be back as soon as I can. And we will have a, a solution to this, this present he looks down at her glow strangeness and um, strides out of the room toward the, the stairs. Quietly aside to Leon, of course it's going to wear off soon, but the sorceress he's talking about, that might be helpful. So we'll find out. Yeah, and if, as we're out of sight of our, our two hosts, I'll uh, show some of the, the, the bracelet now. I took this off him. She had one like it. I thought maybe it was enchanting him or connecting him. Like, can you make anything out of it? Oh, it's still glowing, by the way, right? So, you make anything out of it? Well, my first guess would it have been to make him forget what happened to his first wife. But the attitude that she takes, this may be more about a protective sort of uh, of an enchantment. I'd have to take some time studying it in detail to see what kind of magic it more feels like is coming off of it. 
Um, so I think you immediately notice that it's uh, it's some sort of fairy craft. It's uh, like a beautifully looped serpent carved. You don't know what kind of spell or glamour or, or power it's associated with, per se. But, I mean, it has or had or maybe still has some effect on him. And, I mean, uh, for, for Leon, the, the bracelet she wore looked... Pretty much identical, or the bracelet she's wearing currently, I should say. So do you think if I get the bracelet she has off her, that'll have any effect? I think I'd advise against that for the moment. It probably would have an effect, but I I have a foreboding that it would not be a good one. Until we understand this one better. I'll pack the bracelet unless you want to study it. I think I will want to have it on me so that I can study it. Whether that's just, you know, comparing the feeling that I have when it's close to magic that I've used before and see if I can't figure out which category it kind of feels most like. This is something like you might you might need to um, form some sort of divinatory ritual or you may want to consult somebody who knows or uh, you doubt very much that this is something that will be written of in detail in some kind of dusty tome. No. So you can hear um, Albrecht shouting at his um, servants outside, getting uh, you know his horse ready. We'd better catch up with them. Yeah. Do we want to wake uh, Nenker and Goswin? Tell them what. Yeah, they'd probably freak out real fast. Okay, leave him behind. Go out into the courtyard. Okay, so um, the Lord is like putting on his riding gloves. Uh, Lord, the bailiff is putting on his riding gloves when um, you, you come out, and um, one of the brothers, a bit bleary-eyed, is uh, making sure everything, uh, you know, all the the saddle, all the straps are properly uh, fitted to the horse. Albert looks at you and says, uh, uh, "Oh, uh, are you intent to come with?" Yes, we do. Your wife essentially gave us a charge to stay with you and help you in this mission. Oh, oh, did she? Well, she, she is a darling. Perhaps uh, get the... Um, he uses a term for a horse that's mainly like a pack horse. Bring bring, bring him out. Or her out, rather. And the brother he has up like goes, ah, oh, and then goes back into the stables and gets a second horse out. Uh, my lady, would you would you mind uh, riding with me? And uh, your... Uh, Leon, was it? Uh, you may have the um, the pack horse. Thank you, sir. Very sensible. Thank you. Now, uh, I intend to keep a decent clip, so uh, do try to keep up. Uh, man, man uh, open the gate! And then, uh, you know, the, the brother who's awake goes and pulls the gate open, and he, like, sets off, assuming you climb aboard. <laughs> climb aboard, climb into the, on the back. And he sets off down the road. I assume, I assume uh, Leon follows on his uh, slightly um, complainy, I don't know how to describe it properly with the horse, but, you know, a little like not too enthusiastic uh pack horse like a person really <laughs> like you're used to following the the ass of another horse just go <laughs> so um as stated um albert keeps a decent uh, clip and uh you're you're flying over the the packed snow the night cold is uh, is uh, biting your cheeks as you fly across the landscape and you come to the place with the bridge that uh, you were supposed to avoid according to Ramsey and just head for the keep instead you go north over the bridge and uh, you can see after a little a little bit uh, that there's a 
kind of a octagonal uh, domed stone building under layers of snow to the side of the road. Something in the shape would remind certainly Senesena of bygone cultures. This is probably, this is not a, like a structure that was built by the cult of the true god. This is something else. But he, of course, he, you know, just rides past. You see, there is a structure anyway there that isn't a church structure that's, uh, you know, stone belongs to an older tradition. You you reach a stream and you follow the stream. The, the path or road becomes very, like, dodgy and almost non-existent. But he rides through the trees as if he knows where he's going. And it takes a good couple of hours before you um, come to a like a widening in the stream and there's a little miniature island in the middle of the stream where where there's a an a-shaped hut of uh, uh, an a-shaped frame and then you know people have or whoever lives there whoever built it have just piled you know um pine branches and and stuff it's more like a like a double lean-to or something like a hut a very primitive hut there's a little glow inside as if there's a like a fire and there's smoke coming up out of a smoke hole and he he jumps down from the horse and and tethers it uh, or or ties it at a at a branch you know looks then back to see that you you're both with him uh says well all right uh now agnes is a uh, she can be a cantankerous woman so given the hour we should probably be on our best behavior uh, follow me and then he starts balancing over uh like a little log that's been put out as a bridge so we'll follow one at a time yeah so he he goes up to the the entrance to the hut, which is uh, covered with some sort of um, fur hide covering, leans against the the frame and he, he shouts in, "Agnes, are you awake, woman? I need a sorceress." <laughs> Sorry, what? Best behavior. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remind him? Yes. Oh, uh, devils! Uh, if you please, <laughs> if it pleases you, good woman, <laughs> calamity has befallen us, and you hear some some uh grunting from inside and and um the hide flap flaps open and you see um a woman who's maybe 50 has aged quite badly she's a little bent she's wearing like a peasant garb and uh and a blanket over over the garb but she doesn't look like she was was sleeping it's more like um she looks around as if uh, she expected to see more than just him showing up and you can tell immediately, um, Sena Sena, that uh, she's wearing this old style, like talisman around her neck, uh, like one of those bracteates, uh, you know, the coin, like a little thin metal necklace with the coin in the middle. Very noticeable, very visible, sometimes used in older traditions as, uh, you know, protection, spell focuses, that kind of thing. Okay. She says, ah, I heard that you were coming. Oh, you heard? What have you heard? Yeah, and Albert becomes like uh, very defensive, as if he's thinking like, "Oh, she cast the spell." It is possible that our alarm carries forth on the wind. <laughs> oh, calm down, Albrecht," she says. "Your horse's hoofs are louder than you think." Uh, I say, "Oh, oh. Well, in any any case, there there's a great calamity has befallen my wife. Some some hideous spell." And she looks at him when he says that, as if you know, yes, I know. There's this kind of um. Pity and knowing in her face uh, when she and when he says that, uh, and she says, "Well, why don't you all come inside? It's cold out." Thank you. Grateful for the hospitality. Get out of the wind. Make sure that the uh, 
I do not carry snow inside with me, if possible. Very courteous. Very nice of you. Albrecht uh, forgets to, to wipe his feet uh, well. Uh, you come into, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's basically just a stamped dirt floor. There's some bit of, like, straw here and there. Pardon, pardon my burping. <laughs> there are kind of dry herbs hanging from some parts of the ceiling. Um, you can see a bed farther in. There's a little fire pit. She has a bunch of, like, uh, bowls and, and uh, you know, various simple survival paraphernalia. It's like half kitchen, half half ritual space, if, if you can imagine that. Um, she like gathers something together and uh, comes and sits down by the by the fire pit and um, looks up and to to Albrecht and to you and she says, "Well, what seems to be the problem?" He's glowing. Oh, sh- your wife is glowing. She says, uh, "Now, but yes, yes, uh, some some spell has been cast on her. She she is." Evidently not herself. Is this some sort of omen or premonition or some some danger uh, winging at us? The element of strong magic. Agnes uh, scratches her nose and she looks down uh, at his hands and she says, Well, my lord bailiff, you seem to have lost your bracelet. And that's, you know, where he realizes that, oh, it's not there. Well, I must have I must have taken it off before before going to bed. Uh, What of it? If I may, that in the confusion, getting on the horse, it was dropped. I have it here, and I'll produce the bracelet. She looks surprised at that, <laughs> and a little delighted. And uh, Albert goes, uh, oh, thank you. May I, may I have my bracelet? I am most curious about it. It is of fine workmanship. I saw that your wife had one just like it. Albert is looking at the at the bracelet, kind of like Gollum looks at uh, the One Ring. Oh dear! Like you, you can see him like kind of fingering the part part of his arm where it used to be <laughs> as he's looking at it. Well, and I'm already face palming. I went to all that trouble to steal the thing, and she's just here. It is. <laughs> I may have misstepped, but mostly I was wanting to get some. Uh, Gosh, I probably could have asked her about it without actually showing it to her. But mostly I wanted Agnes to see it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to try to draw Agnes into the conversation and say, it is is a most peculiar bracelet. Perhaps you could tell us more about it. I see that if the spell is still in effect. Oh, no, no, Even this glows a little bit. Or it was glowing a little bit. (laughs) It's been a couple of hours, so it's not glowing anymore. It will... It was also glowing when he dropped it, but alas, that seems to have passed. It's not glowing anymore. Yes, it is a fine bracelet. It's interesting you bring it up. You see, there is no particular difference in our good bailiff's behavior. And uh, Albert goes, uh, why are you speaking about me as if I'm not here? And uh, dear Senesena, please, please, would you give me back my, my property? And he extends a hand. Perhaps you would care to explain this since you have obviously a more firm grasp of what is going on in this valley. Who are you directing the question to? To the sorceress. Well, my dear bailiff, hold on a moment. It may not be prudent to take it back just yet. I have been trying to tell you for many years now that you should do away with the thing, but it always seems to find itself back on your arm. And he becomes a little irate and like 
he goes, well, what does this have to do with the, my wife may be in peril. And she says, oh, it's all connected, bailiff. You and you, she addresses you guys. There's a curse on that bracelet and its twin. Oh, boy. And to think that I'm holding it in my hands right now. What are you saying, witch? <laughs> says Albert. All, all of a sudden, he's not very, you know, charitable. And she furrows her brow a bit at him. Uh, and she says, um, uh, I'm saying you are under a curse and your wife is under a curse. And she, when she says wife, it's evident that she she's kind of she doesn't say it as matter of fact, as, as I said it, it's more like uh, your wife. As if it, she puts the air quotes. Yes. <laughs> Without doing it. <laughs> this and your wife, it, uh, they are connected. It is the same curse. The only way to be rid of it is to is to lock the bracelet away in the chest where you found it. And um, he's quiet for a moment and, and uh, he says, well, what do you mean the chest where I found it? And uh, she looks to you too. And I can see one of you knows the traditions of our woodland kin. Indeed. Perhaps you can aid me in restoring the good bailiff's uh, memory. I fear it has been impaired by long use of that thing. She nods to the bracelet. That it was about forgetfulness. Yes, I will aid you. Yeah, Albrecht is uh, clearly like he's kind of on the verge there. Like, okay, hmm, something is going on. He's not entirely convinced that, uh, you know, any of what you're talking about, it makes any sense. Very least he'll need to remember where the chest is. Look, sir, there's obviously some sort of enchantment going on. You came out here to try to rectify it. So let's see what this uh, woman can do to help. Hmm. All right. I don't think this would require a roll. You have not shown yourselves to be dishonorable as yet. He doesn't know that you stole the bracelet. And he came here with the purpose of finding a solution. So I think he wants there to be a solution, right? So you can see his shoulders slump a bit, and uh, he bites his lower lip, and he says, well, very well. Uh, whatever you think will will work. My fate is in your hands, uh, Agnes. You know, and she levers herself up from from the ground and and nods and she says uh, you there girl i'm at your service we must prepare the brew there should be some oh get the uh she names a number of a number of uh, herbs that she has hanging in the in the ceiling yeah and she uh, uh gathers together some some other paraphernalia she has some like leather vessels um and she pours some dark liquid into a little bowl, a wooden bowl, and she takes some like hot water from a, a little pot next to the fire and pours it in just a little bit, and then takes the herbs from you, and and um, then she she sits you down across from her uh, with the bowl between you, and and she looks, uh, you know, takes her hands and she says, "Repeat after me," and then um, we, you know, she invites you to do the the incantation with her. Yeah. It this is kind of some kind of sylvan rhymery for calling memory back from the deep something like that if i were a quicker poet <laughs> i would have some rhyme for you but i don't and you don't speak so yeah yeah you're just gonna have to imagine like a really cool scene with like some you know lord of the rings sounding elvish nonsense right yep. weird after effects to make it all oh yeah <laughs> so um i'm going to let you test I think it is prudence. This is not like a lengthy kind of ritual. This is more like a, a straight up thing. And you're going to get a plus 
two for Agnes's um, assistance here. And uh, this is to make a brew. If you don't get a 10, it, it may have some iffy side effects. Okay. But if you get a 10, like it's going to, it's, you know, you, you make the, the remembrance, the brew of remembrance or whatever you want to call it, the, the brew of calling memory back. No problem. Okay. We'll see if we can undo this harm. 13. Oh, wow. No problem. Maybe this is like a halfway familiar kind of thing. I don't know how much you work with uh, the purely physical making brews and, and decoctions, but uh, at least the sylvan element is, is uh, familiar to you. Mm-hmm. And you feel like something has been, has been created. There's potency and, and power in this, in this potion you've made, this little wooden bowl. And um, she picks it up and hands it over to, um, to the bailiff. And he sniffs at it suspiciously and then sighs and then drinks it. He sits for a moment and, and um, wipes his, his lip. And then he kind of freezes there, just looks into the fire. with like, And slowly, slowly, you can see horror creeping onto his, onto his face. And then his eyes go roomy and tears start pouring down his face. But he's not making a sound. It's only as if he's like rapidly, rapidly reliving everything that's happened, um, that he's rejected or forgotten or, or been cursed to forget or what have you. I should have had warned him to brace himself, but clearly <laughs> there's no way that he could. No, no, you don't think so. <laughs> it would have been a hell of a thing to soften this particular blow. He sort of comes to and and he looks 10 years older all of a sudden. Not that he's gray haired or anything. He just looks haggard and, and destroyed. And his lip is quivering when he says, half whispers, yes, me. And, um, Agnes uh, kind of ambles over and and, um, holds his shoulder and he looks up at her uh, and and it goes, she she is, and she nods. Uh, He he kind of wipes his face, clears, cleans himself up a bit and and runs his fingers through his hair. He says, uh, the the chest in the storeroom, the chest in the storeroom, we, no, we put it in, I gave it to, no, we cleared it out. We cleared it out and we made the guest room. For the first stragglers early in the winter. Oh, this winter, this... Oh, no, what have I done? We we gave food. We we loaded it with food for the the stragglers. And uh, Agnes looks at you guys, just uh, the brigands. The brigands in the woods. Oh, they must be... They are trapped. They must be trapped. And she nods sagely. By possessing the chest, have they also forgotten their former lives uh, is that something you vocalize uh, ask, ask agnes yeah i do not think they would have a chest is merely a containment if you will okay not not from this land but it works as a box good as any we'll have to get it back indeed it must be returned or if you could place simply place the bracelet in it it should have the same effect well, we need both. Do we need hers too? I don't know. Perhaps to be safe, but I think to break one link is enough. One link in a chain, the chain stops working. All right. Then we have to figure out how we're going to get safely to the chest and put the bracelet in it. So who is the Winter Warrior? Asking Agnes? Yes. Oh, he is Winter. On your way here, I'm certain you passed to the old temple. Yes. For the seasons, you can find the seasons there in, um, what uh, do you call it, mosaics on the walls. 
the winter warrior, the maiden of spring. She looks at Albrecht, the hunter of summer, the priestess of autumn. They're all there. Only now spring is imprisoned. So then breaking this connection can free her and the land. I think so. I'm glad that this seems to have happened accidentally, because I fear anyone who might have deliberately engineered this situation. She looks at Albrecht and, and um, well, the bailiff would know. Uh, he squares himself a bit and then um, says, uh, I, I must know. I must know for sure if it is true. I, I, I have to go to the graveyard. And he just leaves. And she goes, well, in that case, I suppose uh, my theory will have to do. There is uh, the spring, the seasons that are connected to the temple, the temple of the ancients. Somehow in this valley, they bound the seasons. They wander the land in their proper season. And when their proper season is over, they return to the temple. And then the next season takes the scepter, so to speak. I can only guess that once the bailiff's wife went through the ice and died, uh, he must have um, wandered and met spring. And somehow the bracelet that belonged to his wife, he must have put it on spring. And her compassion for him was so deep that she accepted it. I can only assume as much. I warned them, both of them, Albrecht and Esme, that is, not to play with the, um, the old bailiff's things. But um, they they must have gotten hold of the, the bracelets. And, well, she doesn't say must have. She says they got a hold of the bracelets. I wonder if there's a safer place for them in the temple, perhaps. I would endeavor to give it back, the chest and the bracelets, if possible. It's a terrible curse, as you've seen. Back, you mean back, back to the keep or back to the temple? I mean, whoever made it or close enough. Okay. Some of the woodland kin may know. And we have at least met a couple of those, so we'll see if they know anything. You have made the, an acquaintance of Ramsey, I suspect. Yes, we have. He was the first one we met when we came here. That may be a good choice. Simply warn him of the risks. I wouldn't want him to accidentally uh, give it to his wife. No, that would be bad. Then I guess we must to business and uh, find the Harriers. It's dark and it's cold. Uh, I don't have much room, but uh, if you wish to sleep a few hours until dawn, uh, you are welcome to stay. Since you guys have been up since <laughs> this morning. <laughs> I am a bit worried letting him go on his own when Spring told us to, well, wanted us to protect him. But on the other hand, it kind of feels like a, a journey that a man has to make on his own. I don't know. Is this a vocalized thing or, or an internal thinking process? That was internal. Ah, oh, okay. I'm sure you know by now that as a player, I have this tendency to do all my thinking out loud. <laughs> Just so we're clear on who's saying what, that's fine. Yeah. So you, you take advantage of her meager hospitality? Yeah. Get, a few, get some hours of sleep in the relative warmth of her hut. Maybe get a little bit of a fishy herbal breakfast. <laughs> then... Um, get to set off wherever you want. Right. She was in the north, and I think the Harriers were also said to be in the north. Yeah, that's what um, was it? Ramsey said at first. Ramsey, I think. yeah. I don't recall if you had that conversation with... I don't think you had that conversation with the... Maybe you mentioned it with the bailiff. I don't recall. Sorry. No. We knew it before we crossed the river, so... Mm -hmm. 
I guess we uh, get out, start tracking. How do you go? Yeah, how do you go about brigand hunting? Leon may be stronger in that area than I am. If I were a high woman, which would I, or place in this valley would I choose to hole up in? It's a tricky question, right? Because anyone who wanders in gets stuck. Possibly you would hold to the the western part, since that's where you guys came from. That's kind of the roads, the civilized roads you came from, at least. So people who come in here and get stuck, like the the fresh fresh arrivals, you know, they could possibly pick on them first. Yeah, that seems like that would be the most uh, likely, because otherwise pickings are pretty slim here. People in trapped in internal eternal winter. Yep. Yeah. I guess before we go out, we'll, we'll ask uh, Agnes uh, any advice on where we'll most likely to find them. Oh, they they dwell in uh, in this rocky, hilly region to the west, west of here. Well, that's where they have their encampment at any rate. I'm certain they have many smaller camps uh, around the woodland in the valley. Head that way and expect either we'll find them or they'll find us. Mm-hmm. Do you just wa- want to wander about? <laughs> or And we'll make our way west, you know, looking for where the, the hills and rocky areas are. We're generally making our way towards where the roads in are. I think it's not that difficult to start picking up trails in the snow that isn't deer or something else that's passing through. Maybe it takes some hours to reach like a, a the general area that uh, that Agnes talked about, and then you start seeing like little trails in the snow where multiple men have been trudging through the snow from the south, as if they were were you know maybe going near the bridge or the temple and then back. Okay. You don't see any, any like, you don't see any smoke or anyone, like, lying in wait under under piles of snow or anything, anything like that. Oh, I check out the temple. You can go there. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's uh, it's approaching midday by the time you, you get there after after all the little, all the, the searching. And like I said, it's a, it's a kind of an octagonal building with an an entrance in each like not cardinal direction but the like northwest southwest northeast southeast and the cardinal direction uh walls on the inside of the temple which you can walk in into the temple and there's a like stone floor it's kind of bare bones it's ha- it has uh, the the dome uh has been painted on the inside but but it's very very faded you you can see that it's it probably was some sort of grand cavalcade of spirits and cherubs looking things and and winged creatures and so forth and clouds and such but on each cardinal direction wall there's a mosaic depicting like agnes described right uh like a hunter a winter warrior a priest uh, in colors of autumn uh and um this maiden in in the colors of spring and the colors you've seen the inside is still kind of becrawled with the vines from from before the the winter although it's they're all kind of rotted and dead but otherwise you know there's just uh, some snow blown in from every direction it's cold it's echoey but the murals as far as we know they look complete and intact and their figures are in them and yeah, nothing has nothing. It's not. Uh, it hasn't been vandalized or despoiled or anything like that. Not like 
Spring is magically missing from her picture. She's actually there. No, no, no. There's a there's an image of Spring there. And yeah, like like Winter looks exactly like the the warrior you you met on the road. Big bearskin axe, crazy hair. There there really isn't much here. It's almost like uh, maybe maybe possibly Senna would feel like a sense of like this being a a dead place. Like there there used to be something living here, but like something beyond just the the mundane, right? But it's gone. Yeah, the presences I should feel here, I I don't. I have to wonder if all four of them are out, are all out there somewhere, but maybe the ones that need to rest here will come back after we lift the curse. But who knows? Go back to trying to follow tracks in the snow. So I guess you take a little break here, looking at the murals and such, and then set out. As you move out of the the temple, uh, you see like a foursome, raggedy-looking, ne'er-do-wells, wastrels. A couple of them look like they might be or might have been like farmers, and uh, the other two look like they might have been like uh, deserters at one point. Or maybe they weren't deserters, but, you know... A few years in in this va- trapped in this valley might have turned them into looking like raggedy, uh, privation afflicted uh, deserters. They're all kind of uh, hefting either clubs or like yeah, they have clubs and one guy has a has a sword and like a beat up uh, padded jack. The others are are just uh, bundled up as much as they can. It's but it's not winter clothing. It's like double double summer clothing or autumn autumn fare. Autumn, autumn wear, something like that. A little heavier. They see you, and the guy with the blade goes, Ah, oh, there! Hey, we've been looking all over for you guys. <laughs> okay, so they come uh, they come uh, careering um, over the snow, or through the snow, rather. And I guess they, they kind of s- slow down a little bit when you start calling out to them, and as if you know them. And the, the guy with the sword, he has a uh, magnificent, messy, bushy mustache. It goes, uh, squints like uh, who are you solution to your problem he, uh, he licks his lips like looks you up and down like uh, uh, doesn't look like they have much we have is as i said a way out way out of this predicament of trap in in winter forever what what do you know about this curse well we have a possible way to end the curse if you happen to have the chest that was given by the bailiff that was many years ago when this all started. There are chests hanging around your uh, camp. He seems to like try to maintain like a scowl, like a scary scowl as he's thinking back. Like, oh. <laughs> uh, seen seen a lot of chests, a lot of chests. Look like anything specific? You got a lot of chests, I guess. If we can't figure out one, we can like go try them all. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much about that. You just let me get a look at them. I think I'll know it when I. So, so a little, a li- one of the farmers like goes like, "Hey, uh, hey, Ludwig, they might be lying just to get out of being robbed and all. Like, we should probably like beat him first or something." You can beat us and rob us later if it doesn't work, right? And it'll be so much easier while the snow's melting. Mustache Ludwig uh, goes like, ah, yeah. Uh, uh, he's right about that. No, let's do it later. Uh, he, he gives you like a half-toothless uh, grin. And uh, the, the farmer guy looks disappointed that he's not going to get to clobber anybody. And uh, Ludwig goes, uh, mm-hmm. well, 
why do you want a chest anyway? What's so important about this chest? Well, you see, Lady Spring has been cursed, and so she's trapped. We got hold of one bit of the chain. We put it back in the chest. We break the curse, and then she can go out and melt all the snow. Get time back on its course. He kind of, like, looks at you and grimaces, like, that'll break the curse? It's a special chest meant to keep the magic contained in it. That's going to be a real special chest. You sure sure we have a chest like that? Obviously, Balip didn't know what he had at the time, so it may not look special, but I have ways. I'll be able to identify it. So he scratches his cheek. Uh, I suppose the two of you aren't terribly dangerous looking. Yes, we can go look, and as you say, if it doesn't work out. I'm glad to hear you're a man of reason. Oh, we'll see how well you do. Grant you that. All right. So he waves you, you know, over basically with his sword, and he puts it back in its sheath, or what passes for for like a like a raggedy leather scabbard. And he goes, "All right, this way." All right. And nobody, nobody hit them. No, nobody do anything stupid. Uh, talking to the the rest of the the other three, like they give you kind of like a squints and like Arr. Like like little dogs who've been out in the cold a little too long. They amble along. They lead you off into the northwest little region and, and where the land gets very kind of hilly and rocky. You go into some like little canyon, essentially. And um, there's a, like a minuscule cave, a very shallow cave. And around this, they've constructed like a, out of assorted stuff like planks from wagons uh wheels from wagons uh holes from trees they felled uh they constructed like a like a perimeter essentially and there are like makeshift tents and fires and there there's a good like 20 odd people here and they're kind of huddled around the little fires they all look pretty worse for wear like you you seem to have met like the the hardiest of 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 them all (laughs) That's why they're the raiding party. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they got the best food because they have to go out and do the work. So uh, Ludwig goes to the sentry. He's like, all right, we need a chest to break the curse. Apparently these these two are some sort of magicians and they know their stuff. Maybe. Uh, so uh, all the chests you got, bring them out, empty them. Uh, and, you know, everybody grumbles, but they, they start like digging out stuff. If anybody here was from from way back when, when the the bailiff delivered some food in a chest, you know that's the one we're particularly looking for. Uh, somebody pipes up like, "Oh yeah, don't use that chest a lot. It's a good chest." Sticks his head into one of the makeshift tents, pulls out a kind of iron-bound, darkly wooded chest that's kind of half the size of a what you would expect from like a strong box you might travel with, and all the the iron is very artistically curved and, and shaped, uh, kind of in a serpent motif, pretty much matching the the bracelets there. I guess I'm not going to need to make that glow. Even I can spot that one. So he's like, ah, here it is. Gives it a kick. Very nice. All right. I'll go up, take the bracelet out. As you do, like you can, you can, you can feel all of them sort of kind of closing in. Some of them are kind of hefting their clubs. Ludwig has his sword kind of a third out of his sheath, like they're expecting it to not work. <laughs> but if it works, like their their eyes are all on the chest. All right, need to approach this uh, very specifically to make sure it works. And it's going to need to be quick and dirty because I don't know they're not going to give me a whole lot of time. 
because I am now worried about getting. Well, I'm. I should only be worried about getting jumped if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I was thinking about doing a quick banishment circle against uh, against mere mortals <laughs> around the chest. <laughs> I'm gonna prepare to if I can't lock the box right away to do a bind on the lock so that uh, without magical intervention or dispelling the box should not be opened again by mere mortals i suppose spring could come along and open it easily if she wanted to but so i'm going to take the bracelet put it in the box close the lid and if there's no obvious other way to lock it then i will bind the lid shut It's not really a mechanic for this. So, uh, what do we borrow a mechanic from World of Dungeons and roll a die? See if there's actually a key, working key. Um, okay. Unless they've they've. They've die a fate. They've lost it, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A D6, high is good. Two. Oh no. Okay. There's no key, so <laughs> they've they've clearly lost that somewhere in the in the valley. The key? Y'all don't have the key? Maybe one or two of them look a bit sheepish. <laughs> Is that it, says Ludwig? What I'm going to do, well, could try to turn the tumblers with a spell, and that would be my bind spell. Now, since it's in the box, the spell should be broken, at least in theory. Mm-hmm. Now, you know there is a second bracelet, right? And you don't for sure know how this works. Right. You sure you want to bind it close before you have the other bracelet in there? We could just take rope for the moment and tie it closed. If it's a purely mechanical lock, I could try. But if we want to get into it again, we may not want to have to be fiddling with it every time. Right. So I think that for now, we will eye the box closed with rope. All right. Uh, well, Ludwig waves the others like, rope, get rope. Uh, any any line, anything. So you get, you get some stuff. Somebody like uh, reluctantly gives you a length of rope they've been using as a belt, uh, you know, stuff like that lines to keep uh, the tents up. Yeah, no, I see I had 50 foot of it in my bed. Oh, Leon okay. did too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here, you don't even have to hit me over the head to get this. <laughs> All right, cool. So you, you tie it together. Okay, so uh, everybody's offering, but you, you're already like tying it up. Cool. They look around and like smell the air and like um, look around. I don't know how fast it's going to melt. So I think what we'll do is we'll go on procession to the keep and see if she comes out. I think that's where the snow's going to melt first. If she doesn't come out, we'll have to go in and get the other bracelet. Uh, all right, then, if you, if you think that that's how it works. Yeah, we'll come with you. Ludwig waves everybody with him. It's better work. All right, me out in front, like the priestess carrying the... Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, it's not too terribly heavy. <laughs> you spend basically the rest of the day going back to the keep, and uh, it's um, a nightfall sunset when you get there. Uh, the two servants are lacing about outside. The gates are open to the keep, and they kind of perk up when you show up. And uh, they look a bit nervous because you're, <laughs> you're arriving with the, the brigands. But you don't appear to be prisoners of the brigands, so uh, they don't immediately shut the doors and run away or something. And one of them, like, goes, uh, uh, hello there. Uh, hello. What's happening? Bailiff out, 
Albrecht has returned, I take it, or I trust? He uh, thundered past uh, some time ago uh, on a horse, uh, quite a bit ago. But he hasn't come back here. He's heading for the graveyard, I assume. Yes, he was. Lady's still here. She hasn't left. That I've seen. And I guess that the snow is still as deep as ever. Yeah, but it hasn't snowed even once uh, since you, you know, left. Well, that's an, that's an improvement. Yeah. The skies are pretty are much clearer. And now that you're here, you think the air is a little less crisp. It's a little warmer. Let's uh, go see if we can relieve the goddess of her burden. All right. So as you approach the tower, the tower door opens and Spring, as you now know her, comes floating down the steps and down the down the little hill the tower is on, kind of to greet you. And she has a warm, welcoming smile on her face. And with every step she takes, the snow melts away and like little uh, spring flowers spring up in her where she was to put her feet. And she comes forward and she very gently, daintily extends uh, an arm with the bracelet on toward whoever is, uh, you know, I guess you're the one with the box there, uh, Senna Senna. Yep. If you got the box, I guess I'll uh, bow and look to remove the bracelet so that uh, if you open the box, put it in there. And this time when you close the lid, it's like you're, you're, it's like the gavel, the gavel or gavel of a, of a judge, right? Bam. It's as if like something has lifted immediately. Some pressure that you didn't feel before that was just weighing the valley down. Spring lets out a musical laughter, and she dances around and uh, starts dancing out through the gate. Snow starts to melt. It's like, uh, you know, she she makes a, a wake, like a boat in a sea, right? And it just spreads out and out and out, and, and the snow melts. And you see little spring flowers coming up here and there as the sun's, like, slowly, slowly setting. And the, the brigands are all, like, agog. <laughs> and congratulations, you have you have lifted the curse. We rejoice. Uh, and I guess then we go see Ramsey tomorrow. Yeah. Either he'll be the best person to take it, or the best person to tell us who should take it. I guess tonight we get to beat up the brigands, because we were right. <laughs> Was that the deal? <laughs> yeah, I, I look at one of the brigands. This means we get to beat you up, right? He has this like massive smile on his face, and tears are running down his face, <laughs> you know, making streaks in the dirt and soot in his face. Uh, he's a little shorter than you, and he comes over with his greasy hair and like tries to embrace you, <laughs> like with just joy. <laughs> there, 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 there. <laughs> but there's just all of a sudden, like the the mood is is all festive and. Um, Ludwig comes over and uh, you know embraces the both of you and yeah I, I, I did I didn't I didn't think it would work you, you are you are truly magicians and he goes down on one knee and presents his sword it's like if at at any time you need my services you shall have my blade from this day onward until my last breath we are grateful to you Ludwig rise in love and service <laughs> oh you're the king now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you may as well be the queen, I suppose. Brought the spring and all. Queen of the May. Yes. <laughs> hey, you are the king. The, yes, you are the, the king and queen of May. <laughs> I suppose. The the brigands start kind of uh, invading the keep, and they start breaking out all the, 
well, I shouldn't say all, but some of the provisions, you know, some of the wine, some of the the stuff that's there. So uh, they arrange kind of like a makeshift little feast. And um, unless you want, you know, to do something specific before uh, before um, the bailiff returns, he'll he'll return kind of late in the late at night. I'll reserve his seat and the best portion for him. Ah, all right. He returns late, comes in. He still looks like 10 years older, devastated, but um, he has a straighter back uh, than before. There's a, like a faint glimmer of, of joy that at least that spring is here, right? Spring is free. Spring is, uh, has finally come. You know, he clasps both of your, your forearms uh, in, in gratitude. Welcome home. I, th- I think he chokes a little when you say home. Well, such as it is. He nods at that and uh, looks up at his, you know, magnificent painting of himself. <laughs> it's like it's night and day now. And, uh, you know, he sits down and, and at least enjoys the evening meal. And I think maybe, you know, it, t- it takes maybe half an hour, an hour before like some of the, the jovial um, mood of the brigands kind of uplifts him a bit. So he's not a complete grouch. grouch. But yeah, they, they feast into the, the wee hours a bit. Hey, now you may have that chance to go back to the city. Somebody else can come serve as bailiff out here. Indeed. It has been quite a charm. Leon, my friend, I think that is a fine idea. A fine idea indeed. He drinks and drains for the rest of them and then, then retires. Yeah, the brigands retire wherever. Unless there's something particular you want to do, morning arrives and you can you can set out with the box to meet Ramsey. Yep. All right. Okay. Take our leave of the bailiff and get going. All right. I think, uh, you know, the least he can do is to lend you the horses. So if you leave them with Ramsey, that's enough. So you get there kind of in the in the early morning still. And I guess Ramsey is out uh, doing something useful like uh, that would be spring oriented. Like he's he's uh, he's uh, re-erecting some of the fencing around um, around his cottage, I think, when you show up and he, he greets you. A fine spring morning to you. Oh, hello there. Yes. A fine, fine spring morning. I, I see you have, your adventures have been fruitful. They have. Very good, very good. I thought I saw a woman dancing through the meadows this very morning, and all the snows were gone. Fine, fine thing you did. The items which kept her bound, we have in this chest over here, and we need to find out what to do with it. Agatha suggested... Uh... You might consult you about Agnes, the, Agnes, Agatha, whatever her name was, the witch, <laughs> Aggie. <laughs> oh, the sorceress! I suppose she has a point. I know some of the woodkin. Uh, and now that I'm free to roam as I wish, uh, I might be able to make contact with some of them. I assume you wish to return these items. Yes. When what? Somebody else wants the humans to do something foolish with that again. No, no, that would be bad. Very bad, certainly in this valley. Well, leave them with me, or, or better yet, hand them over to Smala, and we shall find the right hands for them. All right. And how is Clover today? Oh, I think the girl went on a walk. I think uh, that bird she carries around finally uh, recovered. Oh, good. Perhaps you will see her on the way out. I hope we do. Try not to scare the poor little thing. So if you roll up, roll right up to the house, then uh, um, 
his his goat wife will come out and um, greet you and receive the box, the little chest. Um, we give her all appropriate warnings and etc. She promises that uh, she'll make sure that uh, Ramsey gets it to where it needs to go, out of the reach of or penurious mortals who might misuse them. Good. And I guess great. You, okay. Excellent. Guess you leave the horses and take your leave. Yep. We get like a final awesome woodcut panel of the two of you leaving the valley and uh meeting maybe... up with some of the the others who are finally getting a chance to leave. Sure, <laughs> <of> yeah. <laughs> cool. That was that. That was that great. was the thing. Yeah. So I th- I think uh, I I would definitely want some kind of like background experience thing that you could think about or like that you could uh, draw on, right? Or or poke through. I think that's missing. That feel it feels like it's missing. We didn't obviously get into every little nook and cranny of 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 the design. That's fine. Uh, yep. I mean, you weren't really built to have like crazy <laughs> mass battles or anything like that. We aren't meant to be the Witcher in these, you know. No. Storming in and slaying strange beasts for more mundane folk to figure out uh, the strange ways to end the curse, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking, what's that? Jim Henson's fairy tales. It has like yeah. a, um, it has like a. There's an episode where there's a soldier involved, and he, it, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's like uh, there are a bunch of like little devils that he plays cards with for something. I forget exactly nah, how it goes. I, but it's I, like, I vaguely remember that one. Yeah. Even even if you choose like the soldier types backgrounds, it's more to do with like your characters like prior experience and what they've been doing. Like and you may have a slightly better chance at getting out of a out of a direct conflict, which might happen, but it's certainly not like it's not the first choice. You're not like I said in the text, like you're not meant to be necessarily Solomon Cain or as you said, the Witcher. It's not about diving into crazy lakes and killing massive monsters. <laughs> any any thoughts on like uh, whatever we used, whatever we didn't use? Maybe I wasn't. I hope I was fairly clear with stakes and intent, right? Yeah. I was asking what you wanted to do, and I think at least insofar as um, both possibly convincing Albrecht in the witch's hut and uh, snagging the. Um, the bracelet in the very beginning, it was pretty clear that the stakes were low, given your characters and given the situation. So either there weren't really a point in rolling or or even if you had missed or, or like rolled below a 10, it wouldn't have been like the end of the world. Whereas getting into a brawl with four brigands might not have been the smartest thing, mm-hmm. um, right. which, was, which was good that you avoided. But again, I maybe in that situation, I wasn't super clear that... Yeah, I mean, you were pretty much playing into what they wanted, so I didn't see like necessarily a, a purpose in doing like a like a charity test on their side to getting in a fight and possibly getting injured to get what meager we didn't have much that would help them. Yeah, they wouldn't be that eager to risk getting hurt. Exactly, but uh, I just hope that it was clear, right? That I didn't, I I wasn't just to steamrolling past the whole. Uh, or, or or powering past the whole uh, is this a role or is it not a role situation. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. If we try this out again, I wouldn't mind having a fight just to see how fucking terrible it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely have to think about how to do the the kind of like background experience or history or whatever I want to call it. We'll noodle on it. 
Well, thank you for playing. Thank you for trying thank it out. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, hmm. Uh, yeah, I think you... Uh, uh, I don't think I... Um, With a radio, I nod. Oh, his background says that both your hands were removed. <laughs> not going to be very good pickpocketing. <laughs> That's the backstory for John's cleric. <laughs> <laughs> he removed his own hands. <laughs> One by choice, the other by hubris. <laughs> Both by hubris. Yes, that's <laughs> fair. <laughs> Away with you, reference. It's the tag where I mentioned you can go to our page at sunday-skypers.podbean.com, find links to all of our episodes, links to our Facebook page and MeWe page. You can email us at sundayskypers at zoho.com. It'd also be nice if you gave us a rating or review on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. And that's all I got.